Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here we are again. Here we are again, everybody. More Prod Pod. This time, it's Todd Pod, baby. Welcome to the Todd Pod. Possibly. Prod Pod, Todd Pod. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back. I hope uh, maybe we got some return listeners from our last week's or last whenever you listen to this uh, Diplo episode. But this week, it's a Todd Pod. And we are Todd Prod Pod. And we are talking about <laughs> the Todd Rundgren. Uh, yes. This is an important day for me because it's uh, a way I can celebrate all the wonderful music I've been listening to up to this point. And I love that mm. there's a, a time we can let it all out. It's like a, it's like a book club right now, except a Todd oh, club. Yes. Ah, it's, I'm so excited, but church of Todd, church of Todd. This is uh, <laughs> our, our, uh, I don't know. It could be weekly. It could be a weekly meeting of Todd. Um, <laughs> all things are good under Todd. Uh, we are just breathing Todd's air as, as it is. Uh, and may Todd be with you as well. And I am not yeah. the only host. My name's James, by the way, if you're wondering. Who cares? Who cares? My name's James. If your, name, if your name's not Todd, get the hell out yeah, of here. Yeah. Today, today I am I am a Todd. We are all Todd's. We, baby Todd's. Um, Toddites, Toddlets. Yeah. And Ooh. I am joined by a couple wonderful gentlemen. Uh we got a one Brandini. Toddlet yes. and another Corey Blarge Toddlet joining us as well. What's up, guys? Welcome, welcome what back to you as well. You guys, you guys came back. That's good. <laughs> yeah, we're here. We're doing a second second ep. So yeah, I'm glad we to like. Here we are again, and that here was international again, yeah. feel. That was uh, that was a little a little dabble of of our good friend Todd. Uh, and I mean, I, I guess we're not going to be listening to that again later. And, I, and I'll just say, what a fucking banger of an opening of an album. I know this is later on in, in his career, but holy shit, that uh, really that cool is such, such an amazing al- album opening. Excited yeah. to get get to that point. But uh, we should we should start a little a little earlier yeah. on than, uh, you know, Wizard Wizard True Star. Just <laughs> uh, a tad. Just a tad. <laughs> just a Todd tad. Todd tad. Uh, this is somebody I'll say right off the bat is like a, a new experience for me. I did not mind too. I did yes. not know Todd. I was not aware beyond. I think I had attempted to listen to, uh, some of his stuff maybe in high school and, uh, it didn't stick as much. And no. there, were, you know, some mm-hmm. album covers that looked familiar to me, but that was really it. When I heard this music, uh, I saw the light. And that song, oh. and that song in particular, like just right uh, off the bat, was like, okay, I'm so excited for oh yeah this listen coming out of Diplo. It's a it's it was something you know very very fucking different. Um, and this was a wonderful uh opening of my eyes of not only him but then one of those things I went through REM and Talking Heads myself recently and start to realize, oh, wow, these guys influence like all the bands I fucking love. Mm. And then now listening to this, it's like, oh, this guy influenced fucking those guys <laughs> and a bunch of other people that I love, too. And so yeah. it's it's just it's just amazing to trace that uh, the progress and the history of um, some of my some of my favorite music. And this now being one of my favorite artists ever, ever. 
this guy i, I fucking so cool. i'm just gonna say that right off the bat because i i've i yeah. really love it but um enough me about enough about me gushing <laughs> enough me about enough me about enough you. me about enough <laughs> me about you enough you about me uh brandini do you do you want to yes. share your uh yes, yes, your yes. journey <laughs> to, to todd your to testimony todd, yeah absolutely it's just so funny that you brought up those bands in particular because i just think of like pop music and instead of like i know that those artists that you talked about like have had mainstream songs but relative like that type of music isn't you wouldn't consider it necessarily pop music Mm -hmm. sort of kind of i know you can i'm sure you could guys could both make a strong argument to how rem is has made incredible pop music but um they both have singles that yeah i mean yeah for sure fit that fit that description yeah or just a pop sensibility and like how catchy their writing can be and how uh you know infectious some of their songs uh yeah can be as well but yeah so todd is like that and i feel like todd's been doing that and i had no idea that todd was uh, such an influence on the music that i listened to as well because yeah especially it's here's a guy who has like uh he's presented looks he's had eras and Mm, it just is love that uh, i love it (laughs) i absolutely so i I would like to say too about my, you know, getting to <laughs> coming to Todd. Um, <laughs> you had a real come to Todd moment. <laughs> I had a real, some. I had a lot of those listening to the Todd man. Um, <laughs> I it was shocking how little I knew from Todd before. Same. This. Uh, because he just seems so like like you said an, an important thing like an important person in music that uh yeah it just as a couple of uh big music fans on this on this podcast you know that's why we're doing it that's why and yeah to not have known todd before that just mm-hmm. seems so weird and it just almost kind of uh, worried me about what other blind spots do i got oh. what other todds are out there that have just been out there waiting for me you know waiting for me to get to them and, <laughs> yeah it just um it's been a great yeah this is a wonderful time getting yeah listen to this guy same man and, and it yeah it was just uh blew my mind not being aware of some of that is yeah perfectly said and moving forward as as well well no actually i was gonna say this was the perfect way to listen to him was like i'm not gonna listen to anything else and i attempted to kind of chronologically work through some of his stuff and his production methods is why we're here of course um him producing himself as well as other people uh was something that was really worthwhile to digest as much as you could at one time to really chart the course uh, as well as, as you can. I know Corey, that's kind of like your, your uh, way of listening to music. I feel like is you'll, I'll drive. I remember driving Mm. around with you and we'd listen to a lot of music and, you know, drive around of course. Um, But you would have like a stack of CDs in your car and they would, I don't know. I feel like typically be all the same artists sometimes of like, yep. I'm strictly listening Mm -hmm. to David Bowie right now. I'm strictly listening to can, uh no you're those might be a smaller stack but that's very that's very accurate actually um did you have a todd phase before this one yeah yes was there a time where you had a todd stack in your car no i i don't i wouldn't say that but um my so my mom is a big todd head Mm -hmm. and she got me into him uh 
let's say before the last few weeks, but um, mm. when I was probably in high school or just after high school, but um, something, anything was really like all that I had known mm-hmm. until I, I knew I knew uh, more about like the arc of his discography a little bit and like the self-titled Todd album and run mm. and a wizard, a true star. Um, and the I had like that Todd album, man. What oh, a- it's so, his hair. Oh my God. <laughs> his hair is his iconic. Hair is so cool. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I actually, uh, just today before this recording wrote a support, uh, thing to title my main music listening, uh, uh-huh. uh Way way of listening to music on my computer, because I at the beginning of this I listened to Todd that album a few times on out. I have Apple Music as well on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to. I need to let one go. I need to pick one. But for now, that's that's how I do it. <laughs> and uh, anyways, that's that's another thing. But I was listening to t- to title, and then today I was like, wait, I haven't listened to that album Todd in in a while. And I looked. This is such a a long-winded thing but like oh his, what was wrong the list of the out al- his albums it was missing from oh, from his no. list of albums on title i was like oh i guess they don't have it that's weird i searched are you are you I, sure it's not like remastered and they the order I looked of it at is every, like newer i looked at every looked um, at the whole page every yeah. albums like, yeah category and then i mm-hmm. searched it and it was there oh weird and i clicked weird. it and I said, it's all it's all labeled right todd rungren todd it says it is the remastered. I think it says like 2012 or something is its release date. 15, so, I think. Or something like that. Yeah. And mm. so, <laughs> but then I looked back at the albums and it wasn't there. So I, before the record, I like wrote a support letter to title. I'm like, what's up with that? Oh man. That's all I said. No, I was just like, why? <laughs> I, I, I like, why can't that just, you guys have it and you're not letting me access it unless I specifically search for it. That seems really dumb. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. So that is a, almost like a little bit of a blind spot, but I did listen, listen to that one today. His body of work is immense. And yep. it, yeah. looking at it at the beginning of this was, was daunting upon listening to it was, Oh, well this is, going to be a lifelong thing for me is 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 coming back to todd multiple times and being a new person and understanding uh more things about his his music and everything so i wasn't gonna try to put too much pressure on myself to try to understand everything <laughs> leading up to this episode but i sure. definitely feel like i got, got a really good taste and i i did my due due diligence um but the man is does a lot of work and it's interesting yeah. his his phases, like you said, Brandon. He has, you know, and his different monikers, and you know what kind of drugs he's using, depending on which album, uh, <laughs> is is really fascinating to to go through it all. Um, should we start from the beginning? Is it, or you guys have anything else you want to share about uh, your histories? I'd say no, maybe no, let's get maybe yeah, start let's on uh, listening to some uh, some Nas. Is that how you say it? Nas? Nas? Yeah. Naz, Naz, gotcha. See, yeah. this is this is where and I'm, I was somewhat familiar with Naz before uh, researching for this too. They're pretty awesome. All right, 
right, that was uh, Open My Eyes by Naz. If uh, we cut out there for a second, a little def- technical difficulties, a little peek behind the curtain, if you will. Um, when internet connections go awry, but uh, that was uh, that was Naz, Open My Eyes. You said, I mean, Beatles for sure. That that was That's like one of his main influences. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, is Naz, that's a reference to a Yardbirds song? Yes. Mm, right, yeah. okay. So and they were they were a you know British invasion garage group from the mid sixties. So very uh, popular yeah. band. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page got their start in that band. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big influence on you know on Todd. Yeah, and music as yeah at large because mm-hmm. um, yeah, there was a lot of that music being really popular to start talking about his influence. And that's a really good start because you had also mentioned, I don't know if it saved it, but uh, talking about power pop music and where Todd ends up going after this, because, you know, I, it's definitely an interesting like evolution. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird to even consider it an evolution because I think so much of what he does is like, I think he's just always on his own path, you know, that's like the the one thing I could say about like, if you start charting his like musical landscape, Mm. it's just always it's almost like like Frank Zappa-esque or something where it's like he just does whatever the fuck he wants. And Mm. sometimes it's popular and sometimes it, it meshes with what. You know, sometimes he'll get a hit here and there, but he's he's just doing he's in it for himself uh, in the best possible way. Like he's in it for the artistic uh, merit and he's just a, an intensely creative guy, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think he just. He's always just wanted to make great shit and that's what he does. Totally. Yeah, because that that speaks to like who he is as a person, right? Now that we're talking about like his up, you know, his upbringing and his personality and like what, yeah, just to briefly talk about what being on it, like why he chose to be on his own, what did that mean? And it, and yeah, it seems like a guy that just was totally like enthralled with uh, like being in the studio and producing things. Like I don't know, working with techniques, like a big techniques guy, yeah, right? Sure. And he was uh, really interest interested in. Other things besides music, like engineering and computer Computers. science, and he was Computers, yeah. considering after Naz and before starting and in getting into producing and his solo stuff. I think he was had considered getting into computers. Um, mm. I mean, even I was I was going to say I, I shared the one link in the in the chat. He at one point des- helped design one of the first. Uh, what do you call it? Like a graphic tablet where you can like draw things on a tablet and then it mm, goes wow. to a computer and he helped design it. So I found like this Mac page and it's, it's like, Oh yeah. So this was like made by Todd. <laughs> and that's just mm. such a crazy thing to have under his belt of, uh, being able to just create something, uh, on, on top of that. And he gets into interactive, elements as well and later on in his career which yeah we'll i will go into i definitely want to want to touch on some of some of that stuff and uh Mm -hmm. and the and an album you know where you need a certain type of device to play it and you have agency about how to the interactive album like the first interactive album he created as well um but before that yeah he, he, he does this nas uh thing and um 
they do three albums uh, and I believe he was already out the door when the third album had come out, like him and him and the, the guy that started it, it. was, um, yeah. they yeah. were like already gone by, by the third album coming out. And I believe it was, yeah, due to stylistic differences about where he wanted things to go. Obviously, I think he wanted to make it more, even more psychedelic and, and different, obviously. And uh, I think just make it different in general. Yeah, I think right. I got the sense that mm-hmm. the, like his co-founder, if you will, um, wanted to keep making the same Nas sound because it was popular or i mean i you, that seems like a slight against him it's just he likes that type of music but todd was mm-hmm. like if we're not not wanting to ex- experiment yeah. more basically yeah you know mm-hmm. and yeah. uh they were be stagnant they were a conventional like pop rock band and they I, I mean he produced some of their stuff too even when he was in the band you know like mm-hmm. he cut his teeth production wise during those years and um but yeah i think he just he wanted to expand studio wise past what i think the other guy was really comfortable with or whatever but i'm trying to think if he was producing music before was he doing that even before the band started i'm trying to think if that if it went i don't think so i mean yeah i know that he actually like once he, he worked kind of, in studios, I know yeah, he that. was like and a like, hired, a hired mixed. producer for like some pretty um, seminal albums, like pretty early on in his life, mm. like as a younger, like the first uh, Badfinger uh, or his first production credit was the Badfinger album straight up, which is like to talk about power pop, like one of mm. the first true power pop records, but um but yeah, I think in the late 60s, early 70s, he was already like had a reputation of being like a, a studio mastermind kind of. Yeah, so like one of he those. He was pretty in uh, demand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's funny to think about him as a studio mastermind because I yeah, I don't know. You definitely get the sense of that being the case, because I think also too some bands that have worked with him. Um, you could get a sense that if like if it's not Todd's way, then it's you know Todd's way is the right way and and if we're not doing Todd's way then well, he's very respected yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. absolutely for sure and it doesn't seem like he's a yeah I don't know yeah I guess I bring that up because of just some stories and it seemed like from bands that <laughs> yeah I don't know that maybe they themselves were tough to work with <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying uh, is that yeah he was really respected as a producer and uh and I think he probably had a um a lot of great relationships and seems like a pretty level-headed guy right like I didn't read anything about his life being like right stupid. like he's been like free from scandal like his entire career like he doesn't drink know. he never drinks yeah yeah he's just <laughs> yeah he just he really like puts he's an eccentric guy and he but he puts uh, so much of his focus on his art and mm. doesn't have time for any other bullshit or desire for it really hey guys i'm yeah. gonna take a quick break real quick I, i'm hearing a, uh, some uh, audio funkiness so just give me one second mm. and we'll be right back all right we're back sorry for all the the disruptions uh I mean, we were, we were just talking about how, how eclectic of a guy he was, right? And just and, uh, the many facets already of his, his uh, persona. And, 
he was already yeah getting clocks i think early on and i i believe i had read that he was kind of helping out with some of the band uh and, yeah and yeah and their <laughs> and their music and, and producing some of them like at a, at a young age um and was kind of waffling around a little bit and had like we said con- had considered going into computers or something like that um but then instead worked on his solo album runt uh which is kind of his first moniker as well too his first like alias <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not even todd rundgren it's it's run uh for mm-hmm. for the first album um and it's one of those things where it, it does kind of just blow your, i know he was in a band already but for a debut solo album the the sound is so fully mm-hmm. realized even though it does go a lot of different directions uh in terms i mean not as many as some of his other albums of course but um his ability to be so hard rocking but then bring in the soulful r&b bluesy elements really tells you that he knows music like he's a he's an encyclopedic knowledge of music it seems like as at least his inspiration and influences like come full view when he does these medleys you know there's and and yeah there's a medley on the on this one that i i really like a lot um Mm. and another you know i'll say this you know with a lot of these albums the opening song is just fucking rad and it gets you in um and it's some it's but it's it is very rock rock uh, a lot of this album i feel like too or a bluesy rock would you say Corey? yeah i would say so it's it's more um I don't know what the word is, but um, rootsy or yeah, it's yeah. just there's not as much um, studio trickery in this one. Like right. glamour or like down. big. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's still very full production mm-hmm. sound wise, but it's it's more basic uh, instrumentation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of funny that there's like two like he like re-recorded the album. Um there's like two versions of it basically. Is it really? Because, yeah, yeah. So the, the one you probably listen to is I think the one that's on like streaming services, I think is the sec is the the second one. Okay. So let me let me see here. Yeah, how would you so, how would you tell? It's a 20, 2015 remaster is the one that's available to me. Um, so there's one what are, that's what are the main differences? So there's one that's called Runt. And mm-hmm. then there's one that's called Runt, the Ballad of Todd Rundgren. So it's, I think the No, that's, the, that's the second album is Runt, the Ballad of R- Todd Rundgren. Oh, oh, okay. That's, that's what it is. Okay, you're right. Yeah. So the first, hold on. The first one's called Runt, and then the second one's called Runt, the Ballad of Todd the ballad Rundgren. Of, that's, has, okay, has that's what I was thinking. Okay. with the noose. Right, and right. That one okay. has a lot of. My bad. Uh, We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Right, right. Well, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll at least uh, get a yeah. little dabble of. Uh, we got to get you a woman, which is kind of his oh, can, his first. Uh, big Before we do that, um, I wanted to interject just real quick with yeah. uh, uh, from the book, uh, his biography. There's a great quote from him, or a great paragraph on a page about um, uh, blues and. I think it's, you know, just kind of, yeah, it's it's relevant to what we're talking about now. Uh, so here it goes, yeah. Great, yeah. What when is this book are, called again for anyone who's interested? 
Oh yeah, it's the individualist transgression dreams and dissertations. Okay, so um when you are white guys in a blues band, the eternal question is whether you can actually have the blues. White people feel sad, but is that the same as the blues? There's a difference between playing the blues, however convincingly, and having the blues. But assuming you are simultaneously suffering romantic problems, unemployment, substance abuse, and general beatdownness, yeah, anybody can have the blues. That's Damn. that's awesome. I I love that and how the universality of it and his ability to digest that musical iteration of that sadness in in the blues i i think is is so cool as a brand that he can tap into in in the same way as the song that mm. that we're going to listen to is is much more poppy uh com, you know in in line with with a lot of his other like kind of more poppy poppy music hits and everything but this the opening song has some stank on it and it, it's uh there's there's a uh, like some good guitar solos and and that kind of shit too and i oh who was laura he was really in, influenced by this laura cyrol or i forget her mm. laura, laura nero is that oh, okay yeah and i'm pretty sure yeah because she had a particular she's like a singer yes, singer songwriter yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah she's great she did something on her album about like the speed of it the pitch of it something where she did that was unique i read mm. about and he like he liked he called her he was, up yeah. or like got in touch with her and then yeah tried to ask you know had her tell her or show her or whatever of like how they how she did that uh -huh. and yeah just forever uh like a uh a travel like a journeyman you know uh -huh. trying to picking up all these things so interested in the world around him and the things that people are doing and i think that's yeah. what he was doing on the nas records as well was fucking with the like vera tempo or changing the tempo to affect the pitch as well like right. the producer would come in produce the album according to how how it was supposed to be done they would leave and he'd be there he's like can i fuck with it now then do it how yeah. we actually <laughs> want to do it and he would go right. in there and, and just and tinker and not really get credited for it even on those those earlier yeah the Nas albums, but this mm. was yeah Lord um, Nairo is that what her last name sorry this is a person Nero, Nero so okay. it's it's pronounced Nero but Nero. it's like N Y R O right yes and then yeah. also Carol King and there's a lot of people I that love, yeah. that were calling so him in these first couple albums like the male carol king is is kind of how he is. and he didn't like it he didn't like it and then he wizard, didn't like it and then he turned into a wizard <laughs> um but you can see the comparison and i and i think this is such a lovely lovely song uh but the it's it's palatable in a way that is related. You can relate it to other music that's that's out at the time. I can show you. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'll uh, make make it so you, everyone can hear it. it's just i don't know man it's so smooth but like so much attitude also it's just incredible 100 percent agree and uh, yeah 
it's 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 rocking it's it's uh it's there's a gentleness i don't know to his like there's yeah. like how he refrains certain things and it makes it interesting and, and a variety mm-hmm. within the song where it doesn't stay in one one lane for too long um, right and he it's has not really long formulaic no not not that he, and it just in ahead of its time in, in a lot of ways but then also mm-hmm. Uh, reminds you of things past and 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 yep. and yep. Can already telling this album a lot of yeah just a lot of soulful uh energy and he's yeah he's coming from Phila- philadelphia um yeah. soul music capital mm-hmm. i mean yeah and and there's the song on the, I, don't, I don't know how to play it but i it's one that's been stuck in my head since we started this and i'll just like wake up and walk around the house and and be like, who's that man? Who's that man? Yeah. <laughs> and I just like walk around. Who's that man? And just, I'm that man. <laughs> and then it gets really nice and soft uh, for for birthday carol. And that is kind of like a life affirming, almost like kind of song for me. I was uh, going to look at I was trying to remember some of the lyrics, um, but it is kind of telling you that he's yeah, he's willing to do I don't know, almost like conceptual stuff yeah, uh, early, so. early on as well. And, and trying to end it on like a, um, on a, on a very nice, nice way. Um, I'm not very old and I won't live long. I was born this very morning singing this here song. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, that, that part is just, uh, just, it just feels so good. And it's so natural and it gets stuck in your head so easily and like a good, pop song or pop lyricist should. And as far as a lyricist goes, not just produce, we're here to talk about him as a producer, but the man like wears, wears many hats and probably he does funny, funny colors and different types. But, and then he does, mm. Oh, my brother, where's my mother? Is there no other to live together? Um, it's, it's a absolutely beautiful song and way to end the record. And then it kind of, yeah, I mean, bleeding into, um, what the, the second album runt, the ballad of Todd Rundgren is a lot, a lot more of those kind of birthday carol songs where it is more piano ballady. Yes. And, um, which is a big phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big and the, and, and that is kind of the Carol King thing too. And from a mm-hmm. pretty mediocre piano player myself, I absolutely love this phase too. You know, there's plenty, <laughs> it's not my favorite, but it's, it also is something that I aspire to be as, as a, as a musician, you know, even in my own, own way, just to, uh, make myself happy. And this album represents to me something that like I would aspire to, to maybe try to do, but then there's other stuff. I'm like, I got to give up. I can, (laughs) I can never do anything like that. Uh, but this is, this is just like, yeah, like beautiful. And then there's some rocking songs in here too. Um, but what do you, how do you guys feel about uh yeah about this album or yeah, anything else to say about uh runt as well so, yeah yeah go ahead brian i was just gonna briefly mention the point that you were talking about with like um that feeling of it something being so incredibly approachable and that you think you can almost make like i don't know that it the music is simple to the point where you feel like you could do this or it lives within you. But then obviously it's so um, incredibly complex at this uh, uh, as well is so, is so interesting about him because he makes really, um, really enjoyable songs from the get go. 
goes down smooth. That that vibe of his music is really wonderful. And there's a lot of these coming, you know, say something, anything. It, it has so much on there that is um really approachable, really approachable mm-hmm. stuff, but also really conceptual as well and has some yep. really like kind of out there ideas and i mean talking about him as a producer like that whole track i can't remember the name of it where he's talking about the mixing of of a record is it was so fun (laughs) it was it was like a a little uh yeah a little lesson in the middle of it and (laughs) yeah and also really too he says that you could even hear this kind of stuff on this record or some of my records and yeah i yeah his his attitude uh, well, that yeah, I think is, that part is is supposed to be like tongue in cheek kind of because yeah sure there's not a whole lot of like you know mangling the tape in a Todd Rundgren record they're so like flawlessly produced but I think that was that that little the intro track is such a like little jokey the fact that there's I know we're getting two albums ahead now but the fact that there's like a a track called intro but it's not the first song on the record like that's kind of funny in and of itself too and then it's yeah, like it's introduction just a, to producing exactly <laughs> yeah. right but yeah. it just comes like it's, it's like you how to listen to music sixth seventh song or something on the on the mm-hmm. it's in the middle of it right and anyway we, sorry on, yeah on a double album yeah yeah well, well we can jump jump yeah. to that one yeah. I, I just was going to play at least uh one of oh, one yeah. of the songs sorry. off of uh uh, ballad of Todd Rundgren and you know a lot of these songs have have a ballad feel uh, something so recognizable and beautiful about his voice too mm-hmm. oh yeah not only his singing voice but even you're talking about intro his speaking voice is so recognizable too I, I love just hearing hearing him talk yep and this is stripped down production, you know. But but the, I, the way he makes a piano sound, I feel like there's a lot of Death Cab for Cutie songs that I'm like, oh, they took a note from like how to make a piano sound. Interesting, like indie pop, indie pop piano or something. Yeah, just, he, he is such a fan of the, the like theatrical be nice stuff to too. Me. It yeah, it's theatrical, but it's it's like grounded too. I feel like it's it's not like, I mean, he does have you know some songs that are anthemic or whatever, but like I just I don't know. It, there's something so just like comforting with a lot of a lot of his tracks where like you could put this on anywhere and people would just naturally oh what's this you know this is <laughs> i like i like this a lot you know this is really agreeable yeah, uh, yeah. especially yeah. these yeah these early albums and i i couldn't agree more with 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 uh some of his his bigger hits and i'm yeah i'm ready to move on to to something anything because mm-hmm. yeah i I saw, I saw the light is something i i i do feel like you could put that in however many different rooms and people would start bopping their head a bit and just a, a yeah, better man. it would elevate everybody's mood just a just a bit at least at yeah. least totally totally mm-hmm. it's a perfect song really it's a perfect song. i mean perfect opener again another yeah. perfect opener well he oh so i don't know if you guys 
so I, I think I told you about my mom passed mm-hmm. down uh, the record to me. So I still have her like, you That's know, original awesome. pressing of it. Oh, cool. If you can pull up, awesome if you can pull album up cover too. Oh, yeah, I know. Such right? a great album cover. If you can pull up like the liner notes online mm-hmm. somewhere, sure. it's amazing because it's it's a double album. So he mm-hmm. he breaks it into A, B, C and D, but each side has its own like theme and he writes like a little blurb about it and then each song he writes a little blurb about that before the lyrics and it's just so cool it when brandon read that um excerpt Mm -hmm. from the book i it's almost immediate you recognize his his like prose style Mm -hmm. um yeah try to find even like a photo of it maybe or something otherwise i can try to take one and put it oh there you go i think you got Oh no, it's the track list. I thought I saw it um, somewhere. It's just, yeah, really, really terrible quality. I can't even, but I believe right or something. Oh no, these are just the the lyrics. Um, or maybe it says says something in in here. But uh, I mean, that's that's rad, and it's a it's a double album. And mm. he to 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 step out from those first two albums, get rid of the runt thing, and then put your name on it. Uh, definitely yeah. stepping out into into the light uh, about you know what he wanted to be and where he wanted to go. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe one of you guys can can take a look and and check it out. I'm, I'm looking myself. As well, uh, the liner notes describe the first side of the album as a bouquet of ear-catching melodies, the second as the c- cerebral yeah, side, yeah. The, th- the third as the kid oh. gets heavy, and the fourth is titled "Baby Needs a New Pair of Snakeskin Boots." Parentheses, <laughs> a pop operata. Yeah, Rundgren wrote the sleeve notes and included a small opera- operetta that described a narrative between the live tracks. I saw the light was placed at the start of the album as it was felt to be the most likely hit. And they were right. The song was influenced by Carole King and written in approximately approximately 20 minutes. And uh, Couldn't I Just Tell You is, uh, yeah, it's another huge one for power pop. Uh, oh, oh, Wikipedia tells yeah. me. It always always uh, coming through. But let's, let's kick it off with, you know, just one of the best songs ever. It's just... Uh, and I think, yeah, again, that piano just goes such a long way to derive the Carol King comparison for sure. Mm-hmm. And he's he's doing all the instrumentation at this point, right? Uh, he's, he's, he's like that's kind of his thing. He just write he just does all the instruments, well, he, right? Or is that is that not happening yet? There's there's lots of um, people like personnel involved in in this album, but okay. it wasn't like uh, it was almost like a Steely Dan thing where it's just a lot of studio right. musicians. Mm-hmm. But he's writing, acting, his and vision. arranging all the all the parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna grab the the record. Hold on, because I just kind of want to look at it. Oh please, yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Um, this song constantly in my in my mind. This this past time listening to it um it reminds me in the i i would mess up and i would start singing this beatles song instead when i started singing i saw the light it was 
Your lines have changed. You, you if have you said won't see me. too much. So act your age. You have gone yeah. too far to leave this world behind. And I will lose my mind if you won't see me. You won't see me. Isn't that, I don't know. And then hearing about his Beatles inspiration and everything, I would start yeah, to sing yeah. I Saw the Light and then I would find myself starting to sing that song and, and fucking it up <laughs> in my mind. But then like realizing, oh, that's probably a big inspiration. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful fucking song. And I have been trying to like not overplay it <laughs> to, so I wouldn't get sick of it because I like it so oh, much. I don't think, so, so I don't think it's possible to overplay okay, this song. Good. It, it never I, I was glad you went there. I haven't gotten I'm there so yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's no, going to say that you can I've been playing this one for 20 years and yeah, <laughs> yeah, you definitely can. Yep. <laughs> Oh man, um, there's so it, many it, I want to play. The off lead this guitar album, really, in this album or in this uh, song too, the like kind of harmonized like dueling lead guitar licks are just incredible. Yes, absolutely. And, and you said Steely Dan too. I think that's definitely definitely like Steely Dan is kind of a masterclass in in some some different types of music at play and because they all those guys just know music so well, so they can just mm. I don't know shift between mm-hmm. whatever the song needs. Um, I'm having a hard time not picking like all the songs to play. Uh, mm. I guess I can do, couldn't, or, or, Oh we'll, my God. We'll, I know. Shouldn't I will do intro. We'll do uh we'll do that. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Um, you I know it's not off. like a song, but <laughs> well, before I think you it's defi- that- definitely like a perfect song that a producer would make. <laughs> mm. Not a song, yeah, but like yeah. a exercise. <laughs> What's up, Brandon? <laughs> um, sounds of the studio. The sounds of the studio. Yeah, it just made me think of that, that last thing you just said, James. If I could real quick, I, I got another excerpt from the book, if that's okay. This Please. one's about music. Please. Uh, I love this. Oh, Okay. I credit my dad for whatever musical sophistication I possess. The somewhat strict ban on certain music exposed to me to a broader, exposed me to a broader range of ways to express. There's an entirely other effect created by wordless music. Yes, wordless, sorry. When the composer must paint a picture in the listener's mind using sound alone, the giants of the late 19th century and early 20th centuries created the language we still depend on today. The refrains that transform mute plays into emotional underscore, emotionally underscored films, cueing everyone how they are supposed to feel at every moment sometimes the lyrics just takes sometimes the lyric just takes the air out of everything wow i love that and that's i'm i'm so glad we're making that point because there's chunks of his discography that are instrumental and Mm, purely there to provide structure to the album listening experience be their own own thing like I'll, I'll listen to plenty of the instrumentals just just on their own out, out of out of place not you know part of the oh, album yeah. his, his albums are excellent listens all the way through but uh i mean now now i gotta play one of my favorite instrumentals off of uh this album just a little bit because you brought brought that up mm-hmm. um and, th- and this one has like different different points in, in the song that just uh go different places there 
I don't know if we'll get to it, but there's a whole honky tonk piano part near the <laughs> near the yeah. middle, oh, middle yes. end that like it sounds like a it, Super it, Mario Brothers uh, Super it Mario turns Sunshine. into like a like a different song almost uh-huh. at a certain point. Right now, it sounds like Unknown Mortal Orchestra or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, James. I totally agree. Or this sound, it sounds like in, like an almost indie, like, indie band of today. Yeah, almost like Ariel Pink-esque sure. a little bit, too. Yeah. I mean, that's what I when I heard Todd Rundgren and from somebody that didn't know him, I was like, oh, so Foxygen just kind of stole <laughs> everything mm. from Todd Rundgren. <laughs> Because that Foxygen just sound, it sounds so much like uh, I Saw the Light. Like, Foxygen tries try so much to make oh, really? a song like I Saw the Light, I feel like, yeah. yeah. And they have Ooh, a psych- psychedelic. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right, let me see if I can find that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this after the... Yeah, yeah. That comes about midway through. Okay, let's, I'm going to go back a little bit now. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah! Oh, yeah! There's no uh-huh. there's no lyrics. There's no there's no singing. No. It's breathless. It's breathless. Ah, you're right. Um and then yeah, I'll do uh, some some intro now. Show you all a game I made mm-hmm. up. This game is called Sounds of the Studio. And it can be played with any record, including this one. You can play it uh, with. You can even play with your favorite record. You may be surprised. He's such you a silly butt. You have surprised. a pair of headphones. Get them cranked up because yeah. they're really gonna help you on this one. Now I'm sure you all recognize this. This is called Hiss. It comes on uh, records that were mastered lousy or. Uh, mono reprocessed for stereo or any number of things this of course is hum peas popping this is the sound of bad editing and here's what happens when the machine gains control and mangles your tape <laughs> i love how he says that a lot whoops sorry guys punch outs now all you have to do is find these sounds on the record, and whoever finds it's so the most what's wins, happening in the course, headphones when he's doing them. Oh, it's like left and right as well, and all of them. <laughs> You're gonna want to yeah. turn them up real loud. And then uh, this was kind of eye-opening to for, to me as well because I just didn't know being somebody oh uh, who's nice. who's a millennial uh, and a Hot Chip fan that mm-hmm. I just thought this this part in Shake a Fist by Hot Chip was. I just didn't know. I just thought it was cool. If it was a sample, yeah, whatever, I didn't know what it was from, but I just thought it was a, a cool thing. So okay. if you haven't heard Shake a Fist by Hot Chip, this happens in the middle of the song. Before we go any further, I'd like to show you all a game I made up. This game is called Sounds of the Studio. And it can be played with any record, including this one. You may be surprised. Now, if you have a pair of headphones, you better get them out and get them cranked up, because they're really going to help you. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! So Wow! Alright. Alright, alright. Alright, alright, alright. 
<laughs> all right i mean hot chips voice they, and it almost sounds like it's come from a hot chip voice because <laughs> they exactly are kind of like almost like nasally like that's like, what i thought like too. todd as well right. um mm-hmm. so yeah I, I just had to put that in there's plenty of other artists that sample him and do covers of his stuff that uh you know we we already talked about i saw the light anyone likes yola tango out there they do a wonderful cover of that song i highly recommend um one of my favorites is hello it's me you guys want to hear a little of that one mm-hmm. i mean he does that song with naz as well um yes. and, th- and then he comes comes back this. this is a cool uh, version of it this as well this is, so is this sorry. is a live version this song like this makes me feel game, things. I'll say that. Yeah, man. In this next song, makes me feel things. All right. I just have to say, in these videos of him playing live, at this time, they have to like clarify every single time that he is going to be singing to a pre-recorded track because that's so foreign and crazy to do mm. at, at that time because it's like, well, if you're going to perform, there better not be trickery. You, bet, you better be performing live. Where that's just a mainstay of of nowadays, like concerts and and music, mm-hmm. uh, you know, live music. But I've seen I've seen multiple videos of him coming out in like the seventies, early eighties, and them being like, "Okay, it's <laughs> a pre-recorded track, but he played all those instruments in that track that you're listening to, so that's pretty cool." <laughs> um, and the, there's there's one where he I I really like this one where he seems I love that real That's so funny. real man it's just him standing up there and he doesn't have a band he's like all right so I don't have a band to, maybe I'll show this video later I don't have a band oh, yeah, today please. but uh I made this song and I'm going to be singing to it he's like there has to be like an introduction okay anyways I'll stop talking mm-hmm. um yeah introduce once again the multi-talented Todd Rundgren multi-talented this song Todd is going to sing live to a pre-recorded track that includes playing the sax, the drums, the bass. Duke does it. He does it all by himself. I told you he could do yeah, it he all. It. Here he is, Todd Rundgren. He is playing the piano. Yeah. This outfit and his makeup, insane shit. I love it. I think he has a bird on his shoulder. It looks like he's got, like, moth. Right. <laughs> like moth eyelashes. Moth eyelashes. He's such a, like, striking guy. Like, his face yeah. is so odd-looking. It's very long, yeah. Yeah. But even he's his, like, giggly. mouth, and I don't, I don't know. He's just, he looks... He looks odd. Uh, pretty fucked up too. Mm-hmm. See that bird on his shoulder? Or is that, oh no, it's not a bird. Those are just like no, uh, it's, those are just flared, flared shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like he's an emperor. <laughs> and there's they like took the cover off of it. It's like all open. There's no yeah. piano cover at all. This is going to be just a podcast of us just listening to it. Uh, listening to it. I know. <laughs> but this, this part, I got to get to this part at People least. People get it. Beautiful. This is just so beautiful. This was 1972? This album came out? 
Who's mm. who's looking like like dressing like? I mean, that was like when Ziggy Stardust came out. I mm-hmm. guess maybe yeah. there that's That'd the, be the closest thing but... for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, for sure. Queen, when's yeah, it's, what's Queen? But it's like yeah, it's like early glam kind of yeah. stylistically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, I don't know. He's just different. <laughs> he's yeah. different. He's different yeah. wavelength, doing his own thing. He's very clear about his intentions, what he wants to do conceptually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, to produce yourself and do everything top to bottom speaks of passion and determination at, at the very least, but to be doing it in a mm-hmm. way that where you're constantly challenging yourself and challenging your audience yes. as well. And he's very clear about like this next album that we're, we're coming to was very divisive for his fan yeah. base after, uh, and he wanted it to be that way. Like he, he was, he was pointed about it, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think I could go through this, this whole thing. You know, I think the, I did put, or I did uh, mention that, um, in the chat, I had to put this little quote at the beginning of piss Aaron, which I thought was kind of funny where, cause that's just kind of like a fuck off song. That's like, it's still fun. It's, it's, a, it's a good song. But at the beginning, he's like, mm-hmm. it's just him kind of muttering. It doesn't have to be perfect as long as it's, if it's stupid enough, it's cool. And then Piss Aaron starts. Um, and stuff like that, yeah. just interstitial um, things like Song of the Viking is, is just a goofy, goofy song. Mm. Um, and, and there's stuff like that. Yeah. And mixed with like ballads and, and uh, soulful, yeah, R&B stuff. And the there's the overture thing where it's a kind of like a medley as well um that's very lo-fi kind of like sounds like it was recorded you know in like it's very lo-fi well the Um, the that is old snippets of his old bands like pre playing those songs yeah that's and actually so so that whole side d on the album that starts with the the medley Uh and then it's it's got piss aaron and um Slud and you know the last the last like quarter of the album some folks even wider than me oh that's such a good one too <laughs> but it's all it's all recorded live in the studio those those tracks mm. are recorded live in the studio so mm. there's no like overdubbing or you know he had he made that a point with some other albums later in his career where he they performed it in mm-hmm. front of an audience live and told them to shut the fuck up and not say anything, but they wanted to yeah. perform it live on yeah on a stage just to have that energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the section, the back section, uh, from the liner notes that you had? What was the? Uh, let the me look. Theme? I've got so oh, I've you, got the oh, liner got right notes. There. Hell yeah. 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 What are it was? Uh, baby needs a new pair of snakeskin boots. <laughs> oh right. Pop operetta. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Paparetta. That's so rad, man. I'm getting that album for sure. I'm getting that. You got it. And and yeah, he he, and he only. I think he had like a the first half, and then he just like jam packed the second, like made it a double album. And the uh, thing is, like an hour and a half long, and uh it just does not drag there's no, no, no part no second of it where you're like eh this is a skipper like every single no. song just bangs yeah absolutely it's yeah so i good. mean it's pretty much a 10 out of 10 album yes um, i would agree and me too and one that yeah i would like to own own the record of and and look through those liner notes sounds fun um and just even the cover you see that cover? i want like a shirt with that cover oh my god i want a wall yeah, yeah, I want a wall yeah just there. a big wall yeah <laughs> 
a big wall of that <laughs> uh more of that in my life yeah it just it really goes to show you how like this album is lengthy but like Corey said and i agree doesn't feel long no and that's because of what we're talking about making things interesting and unique on mm-hmm. like a quarter by quarter basis of the album or even song by song like really not just within the album is a microcosm of a lot of you know reasons why todd is so great and that just yeah making something that long being interesting because most albums that are that long maybe it's just more of today's music by and large but Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of the same songs for if if your album is like 21 24 songs like there's going to be a lot of same same on there um with a lot of uh records that come out but yeah this this one's not that agreed and it's still i think being yeah referenced even if i have not been as aware of it as i as i should i feel like i've heard references of it in in other music you know i i feel like i've i've heard it (laughs) heard people be, be inspired by it um and yeah if you guys are ready i i'd love to move on to wizard a true star which is a like i said kind of a pointed departure from what people are trying to pigeonhole what his sound is and being compared to as i said the male carol king and attempting in a way to bring people the experience of what it's like to be on drugs like hallucinogens yeah, yeah. Uh, especially with the first half of of this album um, where we already heard International Field to start out the the episode, which starts mm. just, you know, and, and is there to start an album like that. That song feels like an intro. It feels and which is it why does, we, we picked man. it, it really uh, to start the episode. It sets the mood for sure. Yeah, yeah. he's so great at at and at setting the mood, starting an album, this one, he didn't make it a point to come out with any singles because he wanted people to experience it as a full thing um, and not, you know, pick pick parts out of it. And then there's there's one more song, but I wanted to skip to another little instrumental. You guys can you can keep talking over stuff. But these first there's first three I, I love. And then they, and then what is I need to pull up the rest of it. I love his instrument. It's so fun. They're, yeah, they're it's very so like wacky, kind of like whimsical kind of feel to them. And then the next one kind of gets into like, uh, who, I don't know, who would you compare that? You guys, like, well, you don't have to talk about every song, but I was, you, you need your head is like, whoa, there's a lot going on, but it's, uh, yeah. it just is a minute long and then it moves into the next one and, and, uh, the first half is kind of these minute long, Right. Interstitial sort of things that are put as put together almost comes together as a Abbey Road to start the album. I don't know. And Uh, it's not even just to start. I mean, International Feel is not a minute long. Like that one's like three minutes, probably. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it's like right after that, it's just like rapid fire. These little like nuggets, you know, Mm -hmm. and you think, oh, maybe this is going to be the whole rest of the album like this. But no, then it just goes back to like Mm -hmm. kind of more standard length songs, I guess. But. Yeah, it's I mean, it's so indi- like has characteristics of hallucinogens, right? Like mm-hmm. I I don't know. How, yeah, that yeah, it just seems like even that structure you just explained seem is 
yeah inspired by hallucinogens <laughs> yeah right. exactly and like and, not getting too tied down on one thing <laughs> and like kind of needing to not be put in a box or else you're yeah. gonna freak the fuck out it's very like <laughs> it's very zippy manic and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and a little manic like yeah <laughs> what you need your head um and then the next song rock and roll pussy i guess was written about john lennon because he saw yeah. him like at the troubadour in hollywood they like had a little smack little a spat. smack a waitress or something like that or like hit somebody like and be be abusive towards and he was yeah they mm-hmm. had a they had a spat uh between the two which i thought was interesting to be a you know upset with one of your uh contemporary inspired contemporaries. You, you know, contemporaries yeah right as well mm-hmm. and uh yeah so anyway i i just saw that little tidbit today that dogfight it's fun to go through kind of like these quick tracks Dogfight giggles, the weirdest little sounds yeah. that happen for a minute of it does kind of sound like dogs fighting or giggling at the same time. It's real weird. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. And Flamingo, another instrumental. Zen Archer is a five and a half minute one you get into, which yeah. is uh I love the song, and it is kind of like a uh it's kind of like carn carny vibes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like I mean yeah. Todd Rundgren himself kind of has has carny vibes and yeah. And you know, it's it's got the kind of accordion and he's singing the falsetto. And then this and is kind of like, like a waltz beat. This is like the come down <laughs> or something cuz like all that all that front half is happening and then now you're kind of it settles in and then into some of this uh yeah. The guy knows how to like structure an album. I, I think yeah. it's it's just so worthwhile to go go through his. his he really does, there. but it's it's not uh, like your typical way that an album would be structured. Mm. But but he makes it work somehow. You right. Know? You look at it on paper, you're probably not going to get it really. But then it just it does have a flow to it when you actually put it on from start to finish. It's never, yeah, he's, he's very, um, he keeps it so fresh, like within the scope of an album that there's never a moment, like there could be moments where it gets monotonous or tedious, but then he, he switches it up at the right time. Mm -hmm. I feel like never, never stays too long doing one, one trick. Yeah. Cause it's not cool. And I think he understands that. Like mm -hmm. it it just so much of like how he again it's kind of like what james was saying about um the approachability of just the songwriting i think he just it is so it it makes sense and it's so easy for him to understand like success happening in places and like what it means to be cool what it means to be like put something together well and it yeah it's he's forever a student yeah i think it's you, you just see because all of the people in the studio, right, are contributing to this as well, right? I think there is a level of him saying, like, what do you guys think is cool? What is, you know, what do you want to do that fits in this album? I don't know about that. I don't I don't think he's really much of like a collaborator in that sense. I think he's like a visionary. He has all these ideas are his and he he kind of, you know, will execute them with people that he's handpicked i guess but i feel like he's i i I guess i got a quote uh, it's from this uh from this book it's it's like it's more about this album i guess but there was a quote from um the bassist that said that um 
when Todd needed guys to play on his record, we, uh, we were already there. It was like a club. Secret Sound was our clubhouse. He said that Rundgren encouraged the musicians to contribute any ideas they felt would benefit the album. Mm. And uh, yeah, it, again, because I just I, I get such an overwhelming sense of like him asking questions, asking a lot of questions, looking at things and going like, you know, how do you get the most out of it? Like, how do you do this the best? Like, that, I don't know that kind of, again, the computer mindset. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's James Fro. Okay. Okay. Oh, no, I'm just uh, uh, very, very interested in your point. <laughs> I thought that for a second, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like also with the computer science or computer background, too, is just, you know, uh, computer programming is a lot of logic based and you're just asking questions along the way going like, OK, so it can do this. Well, then can it also do this and so mm. on and so forth and mm. all of these inputs? And then, yeah, I think he's the supercomputer at the end of the day that's putting in all of these ideas and all of these things out in the ether, too, mm. of like what other musicians that are on his level or where he wants to be, whatever. And he's putting yeah. these all together and going like, this is what it means to do this well right mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and coming out of it uh making these records that yeah are really perfect in a lot of ways whether they're like maybe your cup of tea i don't know yeah there's a lot of these records that i love i'm sure you guys you know can point to at least a record or two where you're like that's not really my cup of tea but it doesn't mean that it's a bad record mm-hmm. and yeah it just again it's this guy's sensibility of it is he's really quite a genius and, um, and it's like yeah. earlier, early enough in his career where I, I imagine there's some people that are maybe questioning it, but he is pretty much doing everything him, himself. Mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, I just imagine maybe there's some people that are involved that are looking at like, is this another like Brian Wilson situation? Like, yeah, it's going to be a genius maybe thing at the end, or maybe it's going to, it's start, or is it going to stretch too far? Or how how are we going to collaborate with this person where it's difficult to communicate what they want or it's constantly shifting or changing? Um, But then they're unequivocally just geniuses. And I think this is, yeah, maybe past proving time for for him. And he's now gained that ability after something, anything, you know, Mm -hmm. to be able to be like, I'm going to do something different on this Mm -hmm. one. Um, and he has that ability to do it. And I'd imagine in the Nas situation, that would be more so contentious where he does have to collaborate a little bit more. And that's where I, you know, Mm -hmm. any good producer I think is going to be kind of unyielding on, on certain things about how it should be. And so as, as great of a producer as he is, and I, and I do think this, it requires somebody who is unyielding and maybe has to be a dick sometimes and kind of just be like, no, like that's, that doesn't work or it's got to go this way or, um, but he's continuing to get work and he's, and he's starting, you know, and then he's going to start to get more into his producing career as well. Um, Mm. you know, which, yeah, however we want to structure this, I was kind of going through his, his kind of personal discography and then maybe we can, and then we do like produce production credits kind of maybe after that. Um, if you, if that's how you guys kind of want to work this, cause I, I, you know, he's, he, he does it concurrently with, you know, his own, his own solo stuff as well. Um, yeah. and he sought out to come in and clean things up for people and, and put out a, a good record, uh, under the, you know, like under the, what is it like under the amount that they're, they're asking to, for it to be made in uh, in less time than they're, they're saying too. 
Well, yeah, and he he's also in addition to producing like some very seminal records, he did the first New York Dolls album. Um Psychedelic he, Furs, right? Psychedelic Furs, Grand Funk Railroad, like Dude, that but, Grand Funk Railroad track rips so hard. That's a, that's a really anthemic song. But right? he's also he's also got he's got a another full band of his own called Utopia yeah. that starts. Right. In like it's the a good time to bring up that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great time to bring up that. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really I knew because he's that that band was had a long stretch they might st- i don't it might still be a thing i don't know but oh interesting i, okay, I knew yeah. of that that was like his band but i didn't realize how early on in his career that that band started and he just kind of had it yeah. going concurrently with his solo career as well and his production career which is quite impressive yeah pro- prog rock <laughs> band and yeah. it was formed in 1973 and there was even an album that was released in like the two thousands that they of just stuff that they recorded but never released. Um, mm. One of which is a a Star Trek cover disco style, <laughs> which oh, of course, I fucking love. <laughs> but I don't have to resort you guys to to that. Um, I yeah, I I that, I mean that's that's fun. I mean that's we go through it as we're going through his career, and the Utopia stuff is something that I think is kind of a blind spot for me. Uh, and I, and I didn't really mm-hmm. get around to listening as much to, to Utopia, but, um, we should at least check out, you know, one of, one of their big songs. Yeah. Um, did, did you guys spend some time with Utopia or a little bit? Cause I did a, a fair amount of like curated playlists yeah. around Todd sure. that would, uh, you know, just put together, like, there's this great playlist that I found. Um, I can't remember who threw, but a uh, pitchfork, I think that had like, it's, Todd Rundgren starter is what it's called. And it was nice. a collection of um, Todd songs that are like, yeah. Um, and it had Utopia on there and um, there was another playlist too, but yeah. So I don't know if I've listened to a full Utopia album, but did li- a blind spot. Uh, yeah. It's not fully a blind spot, but it's not like I got too, too deep into it. Mm-hmm. But what I like, what I heard, I loved. Which can be said about almost all of the stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> But you, yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's to be said that he's interested in reinventing himself as you know when the time arises, and if he he's either pigeonholed or he spends too much time in one area, he wants to spread out and do something else. And to see him work in a group like this, it makes sense that it wouldn't be a full time thing. It makes sense that it would be like, oh, I want to okay, I'm gonna do my own stuff and I'll come back. Yeah. start to see why his relationship with Daryl Hall and mm-hmm. I don't I forget Oates' first name John John sorry uh, why his relationship with Hall and Oates uh, happens because you start to hear some of these songs and it's like this pretty much sounds like a Hall and Oates song <laughs> some of them mm-hmm. this is nice you know I think yeah. he's he produced a Hollow Notes record too, didn't he? Mm-hmm. At least a song. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a full. What was it? It's called. Um, I, I have, don't remember which. Yeah, I have his his list of of stuff. War Babies. What's on that one? Let's see. 
Can't stop the music. He played it much too long. Is it a star? Beanie G and the Rose Tattoo. You're much too soon. 70s scenario. Side two. War Baby Son of Zorro. I'm watching you. Parentheses. <laughs> these sound like, mutant these sound like Rundgren song titles almost. Eight, better watch your back. Screaming through December. Johnny Gore and the Sea Eaters. What? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He had, I think he might have had some influence, influence over those titles, maybe too. <laughs> those, those are wacky. There were multiple ones. Like uh, his production style, I, I just what I gathered from from my little research was that he would, yeah, he would kind of come in. Bands would be having a hard time getting to the finish line, maybe on certain things, mm-hmm. and he would on songs, and he would just be like, "I'll I'll finish writing it," and then just, <laughs> and, and and pretty much just finish it and do a lot of, and then like a lot of people feel a, like he was instrumental and like doesn't get enough writing credits, maybe as he should do <laughs> on some stuff. He sounds like a bit of a workaholic. I don't know what yeah. you know. Yeah, and there's a he would. I was because I don't think he's got a lot of like other than yeah work maybe, but he doesn't have a lot of vices, right? Because I know that we talked about the yeah. psychedelic influence on, um, on True Star, right? Uh, a wizard, a True Star. Yeah, sorry. and there's and another album I'm trying to that remember. Didn't carry on, and it's not like he. I don't know. I I had I never got but, a sense that he was like a big, you know, he party guy. <laughs> I think right. the psych, there's a lot of psych influence on Todd on the Todd record right. that came. I'm after sorry, came yes, next. yeah, but I'm I'm talking about like a direct correlation to like doing LSD and doing hallucinogens. Well, yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. there's a, there was a strong point of that as being like a thing that was influencing that record, but I just didn't get a sense. I mean, I didn't even know that is so. So was he doing a lot of hallucinogens like while? I don't think so. I think okay. maybe he did it. It, it, it. I think it was just the, it, the, con, it, the concept it, or like it the read as like place he did it one time and he's like, definitely. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I got and I think it. the Todd album, I could be wrong. One, one, it's either this album or, or Todd. I forget. He, he actually had a, it might be the next one. He, he used Ritalin to like, Right, oh. write some of the album as well like where he would smoke Whoa. and he smoked a lot of weed uh early on in his in his drug career but in order to finish the album he like had i'm trying to remember which one it was so i'm, I'm sorry out there if i'm not getting it exactly right. i'm pretty sure it's this one or the or the next one todd where he had the studio essentially brought to his house where he could just work around the clock and just yeah take ritalin yeah. wow <laughs> i mean that that's something it's first it's it and that speaks to somebody who is a workaholic and uses those things in a way uh yeah to to get to derive something out of it um and i i have this one piece that he had talked about the the cover of wizard and a true star um surrealistic painting on the front cover was designed by arthur wood included coded messages messages in the image which rundgren referenced in a 2009 interview he says he had this little language that he invented and there are these sort of like sort of rhythm like things coursing through the artwork. There's this runic sort of stuff in there. I think it was secret love messages to his girlfriend or something like that. Nothing real mm-hmm. earth shattering. He never explained to me what they really meant. So I wouldn't know. I just pretty much saw a painting of his in a gallery window. And I like the combination of this sort of old classical style with the bizarro symbolically almost Dolly esque symbology. I also like the way he drew two, two perspectives at once. The front perspective and the profile at the same time. The whole thing to me just represented graphically what I was what I was going for musically. And I sat for, for him a couple of sessions and he essentially just painted it. And I didn't instruct him at all what it was supposed to resemble. Um, yeah. Anyways, but um, this. Yeah, I, I 
it, the psychedelic sound of, mm. that he has attached to him has been the case since Naz. So there's clearly yeah. like he is like doctorally like like an engineer engineering that sound in, in a way. So like I can imagine sure. that you know as as druggy as maybe he comes off or whatever his use is, I don't know to to the full extent. I'd imagine sure. he's a yeah, like you're saying Brand, he's able to like dissect what that means and conceptually mm. bring it out in an, in a sound. Um, yes. But that's I, him. Um, that's more that's that's him. That's not the drug. That's him, you know. Right. Mm. I I think I've mentioned earlier but a lot of the spirit of Todd Rundgren's catalog kind of reminds me of Frank Zappa, mm -hmm. the way that he constructs albums, the way that like he balances concepts and stuff. And that's how Zappa was. He didn't, he mm -hmm. didn't really, he was sober. Like he didn't do drugs. He didn't participate right. in that, but he was around it because he was just naturally a weird guy. So he yeah. was around a, a lot of people that, that partook in that and he was able to synthesize that influence mm -hmm. into his work you know way probably a little more off the wall than than rungren but um i don't know i just no while it, while i was yeah. while i was like really delving into todd and for the pod for the todd pod I was uh, just kind of noticing that parallel with him and Apple. Mm, definitely. Bit. I mean, I, I'm looking here if I can read a little bit more. I know this is this is Wikipedia stuff. I'm not being super scientific about it in my process, but it does address some of those things we're talking about. If you let me read some mm. uh, some of this. The album was produced and engineered yeah, yeah. and with an exception of some tracks entirely performed by Rundgren. He envisioned the record as a hallucinogenic inspired flight plan with all the tracks segueing seamlessly into each other, starting with a chaotic mood and ending with a medley of his favorite soul songs. At the time of release, he stated that Wizard intended to advance utopian ideals. Later, he said that the album had no definite meaning. Uh, and then I got this other part I wanted to mention as well. Um, the sound and structure of Wizard was heavily informed by Rundgren's hallucinogenic experiences. Um, oh, wait. Uh, he did a lot yeah uh he's well actually i want a lot, of, a lot of a lot of different types yeah i want to read yeah. this other part but that that is true as i want to go to this other paragraph um he uh did something anything and you know he wanted he started uh he got all the success he felt uncomfortable that descriptions also came to inclu include the male Car carol king with all due s respect to carol king he said it wasn't what i was hoping to create as a musical legacy for myself <laughs> rungan returned to new york and for the first time in his life started experimenting with psychedelic drugs to his recollection. This included, uh, <laughs> I love how that to his recollection, this included, <laughs> this included DMT mescaline psilocybin Damn. and possibly, but not certainly LSD, possibly not certainly he began, probably. Yeah. He began <laughs> Doing DMT to think that the writing on something, anything was largely formulaic and born from laziness and sought to create a more eclectic and more experimental follow-up album. Hmm. His music tastes also had started to lean toward the progressive rock of Frank Zappa. Yes. Whoa, and the let's go. Mahavishnu Orchestra. Oh, okay. He, he explained, it wasn't like I suddenly threw everything that I was doing before and decided I was going to play, play the music of my mind. Rather, the experiences allowed him to actively put some of my songwriting habits away and to absorb new ideas and to also hear the final product in a different way. However, he wasn't really aware at that time that I'd make such a radical shift. Yeah, there's there's some of it. Um, Damn, okay. Yeah. So it, it 
I think I, I just really, really like this album. Uh, mm. And it's right up there with something, anything. Um, if you guys had to choose, you'd, you'd probably go something, anything over these two. I would. Yeah. 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 But that's mm. just me. Yeah, yeah no, no, I'm right there. Right there. I, I would too, but it is closer than I expected. After listening oh, to something, very, anything, yeah. and, and then I'm like, oh, nothing's ever gonna fucking beat that. Um, you know, this this album's like beating previous favorite albums that I had in the past, and then yeah. I heard this one, I was like, wait, uh, this one is tick, tick, tick. this one is very very James. I, I feel uh, yeah. like I that makes total sense to okay. me that this okay. would be your your the one that sticks out to you. Well, I I was but. guessing that this might be your. Sh- your shtick as well a little bit with like the small songs and kind of i don't know it's not full G- i mean full gbv but it's got you know no. small little tidbits <laughs> little bits it's very cool it's in my <laughs> i would say it's in my top five i think it's probably fourth or fifth really okay me. wow but okay. I, I thought it'd be higher for you it's awesome it's a really good mm-hmm. one yeah t- uh, it's probably fourth i'd say it's probably fourth tame impala does a cover of international feel and they've played it live for uh for some of their oh. sets as well uh, which sounds pretty great. Um, but yeah, just little. Todd also did a remix of Elephant. Of oh, yeah? Paula's. oh, yeah. Oh, cool. That's pretty, pretty cool. If you guys, if you guys, hmm. I don't know if you guys want to hear that real quick. I mean, it sounds. Yeah, I'd be curious it, to hear that. Yeah, especially yeah. since we're talking producers here. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see his remix skills. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the Todd Rundgren remix. Yeah, I wish he I wish he came up with a fun name, but he just put his name. <laughs> 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 This song, it was interesting. This song like came on the radio like a year after the album came out or something. I feel like, or like month, like like long after the album had been out for a while. I feel like there was something that happened that like made it popular to people. I feel like this is like one of their cooler songs. I feel like <sighs> absolutely, yeah. Always one of the best ones to to hear live. But I feel like it just, it was on a commercial or it started playing on the radio a lot out of nowhere, like when it had been out for a while. It was in, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing where Grammys will like nominate best new artists when they have like three albums out. Like, totally. <laughs> I think the Flaming Lips covered this or they would cover it live or something. Yeah, I mean, Flaming Lips definitely. It's like what is that? It's like like a fling, flange, flange, yeah, flange, 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 yeah, flange. It's got mm. a lot of like, like the flanger. It's mm. like a jet plane. <laughs> but that's I mean, he, the, at this time he's kind of experimenting, experimenting a lot more with electronic music, as well. I I feel like in the two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and this song too is just another good example of I think I don't know who sought out who. Obviously, um, Kevin uh, Parker, right, is influenced by todd for sure but it's just it's funny to see because obviously todd hasn't done a lot of remixes for stuff Mm -hmm. and so that that again that journeyman always learning thing of i uh, yeah i'm i I wonder how that uh situation happened but i'm sure todd was like oh i really want to know how you did x y and z on your album kevin and then you know having a you know just a mutual conversation of how you made certain sounds and you know yeah, de- definitely. And 
the and we and we mentioned flaming lips earlier too and i just the mm. that that kind of vocal stylings and purposeful psychedelic sounding sort of music that isn't necessarily mm. like the, who knows if these guys actually take it or they just they like the the vibe of, of it all i mean um yeah. and mm. then yeah and uh i was like i forget what i was gonna say anyways um we can move on uh past oh yeah we we're gonna talk about todd this is where my blank spot came in i was gonna move right past todd Oh no! Uh, because fucking title, man. <laughs> I can't. No, I can't, that's right. That's I can't right. believe it. Because <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. I. It's not. It's not here. But I gotta. I gotta. I gotta search for it. But um, is there any uh, anything off Todd that you guys would like to listen to? I mean, on this podcast, I really enjoy listening and kind of commentating um, on mm-hmm. on music as we go along, especially when there's so much and you know we could honestly have a Todd pod, and we had considered it, folks. Uh, yeah. just turning this whole dang thing into a, a Todd Rundgren podcast, but we're doing an episode. So it's, it's fun to kind of get the crash course and kind of go through some stuff. And if, you know, if you haven't heard it, I hope you're enjoying it as well. Um, but this, yeah, I mean, you can start with the cover. It's he's, he's looking kind of like how he looked when he performed, uh, hello, it's me. But then he just hadn't taken off the makeup of the costume for like a week <laughs> and then took this picture. <laughs> it's just his hair. The hair. Yeah, man, so it's insane. Like yeah. it's so bright green or like not even bright, like dark green, almost emerald. I mean, yeah. And and it stereotypically like, looks kind of like a, dr- a druggie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the way that he like described it. <laughs> Uh, in his in the biography thing the way that he described it is like the hair and i I think a lot of people some of his generation felt this way is like you know the hair is the rebellion the hair is uh has such a strong meaning of breaking out of a mold and um yeah and uh, your own personal identity and he just really very uh, if it, i would say almost simply just co-opted it just like a lot of bands share with their looks and whatnot but yeah just co-opted that i that um the what yeah what having being a long hair as they called it <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that being that being his look that being his thing yeah and uh it's it's you know, style uh yeah he's yeah again and coming out of Wizard True Star and and dividing kind of his his fan base and everything, it's it's interesting to see where he's gonna go after that. And then the time in between those those albums, he produces the New York Dolls uh, self titled debut album. Um, why don't why don't we just listen it's to rips? Yeah, you want to listen? Let's listen to uh, New York Dolls a little bit. Uh, <laughs> might as well. I mean, we'll we'll go back through some of the producer stuff as well. Uh, but I thought this would be uh, a good time for that. And then if you guys want to think of any other um, songs off Todd, once we get to that as well, uh, this, I got is, one. this is trash. This is my favorite song on the album. I love, I've always loved this song. There's some, I've, I get the feeling and I don't know this at all, but I feel like the, I feel like that's a Todd <laughs> decision, uh, but I have no idea. Well, they, New York Dolls were really influenced by, like, um, which kind of the Ramones were, too, eventually, but just, like, girl groups and stuff. They're very, like, bubblegum-sounding. Totally. And, like, yeah. Well, Joan Jetty. Mm-hmm. 
going. Uh, yeah. So he's like he's like creating people's careers, kind of. This is like yeah. Yeah. And he creates yeah. Sparks' career. I mean, he 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 starts Sparks. Yeah, um, yeah. Starts a fire, you know. And One of the Sparks brothers was on, um, I think, Wizard of True Star, maybe. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I for, he just played on like one one track or something. But have you have you guys seen that uh, documentary? Which one? Mm-mm. The on on the Sparks guys. No. Mm-mm. Oh, check it out. Really? Okay. I won't get too into it, but I forget what it's called. But there's only one Sparks documentary, so <laughs> you'll find it. But it's cool. Well, he, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, he's, he's just a, he's, I mean, he's a workhorse and he's, people are seeking him now. And it it seems like he is able to provide whatever the band needs, which just speaks to a wonderful producer. Um, Mm. not only that, but yeah, the ability to finish writing songs or, uh, show people how he wants it to be done. He can be like, "Oh well, just let me show you. <laughs> I can play yeah, any instrument. Yeah. I can sing. You know, a whole like whatever scale he can sing. He hits those high notes so beautifully. He's as like well. a he's like a Swiss uh, Swiss Army knife, probably in yeah. in the studio. You know. Oh yeah, totally, absolutely. And and some people have their issues with with his style, and 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 some don't. And and even when they do have issues, and they they go through. Uh, I'm thinking I'm speaking more to the XTC album. We'll get to that one too, but oh, even ooh, the, yeah. the issues that they have mm. there, you know, that this still creates a good album, <laughs> you know, and it's a, that, that speaks to somebody too, like a director of a movie where people are questioning maybe certain things of what they're, what they're doing. But then at the end you see the final product and you're like, Oh, he, they knew what they were doing the whole time. Mm. And they just had, they had the vision and no one else could see it. And, and for that just, that's what it takes. Um, yeah. but yeah, he's doing utopia. He's got wizard true star. He comes out with, with Todd, uh, this time he had also formed a fascination with religion and spirituality, reading works by authors such as Madame Blifvatsky, Rudolf Steiner, mm-hmm. and Jiddu Krishnamurti that he found at an occult bookstore in lower Manhattan. He, he said he started to have a great curiosity about where that psychedelic experience fits into not just my own personal history, but the larger history of people's quest for meaning. Um, Todd wow. is more synthesizer heavy affair as uh, is kind of, I'm just kind of reading off uh, some Wikipedia stuff again, although it still employs Rundgren's usual cl- selection of guitar, piano and found sounds, including spoons, uh, musical contents range from Gilbert and Sullivan style show tunes to fusions of Philadelphia soul and progressive rock. Mm. Um, yeah. So the you, show tunes is a good call out because I, yeah, I mm-hmm. think of that when, um, the piano that is uniquely Todd, that he does as a show tunes. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting seeing that performance of hello. Yeah. It's me where it's, yeah. Like I said, the cover is like gone. So it just is very open and kind of like ringing and, and uh, mm. t- tinny a little bit uh, in, in a good way. But uh, he, here's another quote of him explaining the concept of the record. The whole record is about states of consciousness. The wizard album marked a beginning of new forms of communication, basing my musical ideas on responses rather than just purely physical or material. In the wizard album, I was discovering a different language in the new album. It is more of a discourse in this new language, telling what I've discovered with, with this new attitude that is out of directing my attention to things other than material to other states on consciousness. I did the wizard album where the song ideas range from 15 seconds to 10 minutes. A further refinement of that idea is represented in Todd. And the refinement is that I'm breaking down all those barriers, removing the six spirals 
just saying there are no limitations as to what is sung about or what music sounds like or how long it is or whether it is even music at all. Oh, wow. <laughs> Guys challenging everything, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that's, that's so cool. <laughs> free thinker. That's such a, yeah, like an unbound way of looking at life, right? That nothing is off limits. It's all like, yeah. If somebody yeah. says that that's how it should be, fuck that. Let's do the opposite, you know, just to try it. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I like it that, doesn't work now. I like that he is so experimental, but also can rein it in so much and just that's a great e- point. Use it, use it in such mm-hmm. a controlled way instead of like giving into every indulgence. And it's just like, you know. Totally. Not, not fun to listen to mm-hmm. <laughs> um right but yeah he he can harness that weirdness so well that's his strength i feel like i think totally. that's a good example of removing your ego out of it and being able to do that mm-hmm. yeah. because i think if you let your ego get in the way then the things that you're doing matter the most and if somebody is telling you that oh this doesn't work todd and being like no fuck you it, it it's my way or the highway um that is very egotistical approach and i think it it just yeah it goes to show you that his ego didn't rule all the time you know yeah and i think maybe not even often i don't know yeah it's just um it's a very grounded and not yeah way of looking at life it's fascinating the ability Mm -hmm. to change with the times i think speaks to that ability to kind of yes remove the ego a bit of like Oh, well, I'm fucking Todd Rundgren. I made something, anything. Let's just do that same shit over again and, you know, and make money. It's, it's, he's, he's constantly trying to change. And like I keep on saying, like, accepting that I'm going to lose some fans if I do this, but the ones that I are going to stick around are the ones that I want to definitely to keep. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that is so pure as an artist Mm. that it seems like from him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, this is one, this is one that I like, but, uh, Corey, what, and then Corey, if you want to let me know which, which one you like, is it a dream? I was going to the neon Indian song. Well, yes, but it's a Todd song. Yes. But this is how, this is a deadbeat summer where deadbeat summer came from. If you guys, I can go, I can go back again to to the beginning, but, there's a deadbeat summer where that that came from. Yeah. There's any neon Indian fans out there? I like neon Indian a lot. Yeah, this song's so so great. This is like classic Todd, in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> Calvin Klein by Todd. Can you imagine that picture okay. just being there? Yeah. <laughs> What is that look that he has on his face? How would you describe that? Contemplative? I don't know. Tired? I, it's almost it's almost like a, it's almost like Mona Lisa vibes. Like you oh, could, you could like interpret kind of you uh-huh. could project a number of different emotions onto it and it would make sense, you know. It's right. kind of ambiguous. Cuz if you told me that he was uh you know burnt out or something i could i I could also see that like has to sneeze there's there's a different isn't there also like a look of acceptance though on his face as well like or 
this is this is over after you know after a journey i'm you know almost uh, mm -hmm. not exhausted but just kind of um yeah right you're like worn out mm -hmm. a little worn out (laughs) Uh yes yeah yeah totally (laughs) yeah kind of like he's got some like early morning or something like you woke up a little earlier than mm-hmm. than you wanted but you can't go back to sleep right he he kind of has that thousand yard stare what is it right. yeah, yeah that's totally. that's that's what it is yeah it's like um what do they call that in uh, apocalypse now that's they talk about that look that people give you mm. where you've just I you think see that it. is what it's it is just mm-hmm. a thousand yard stare yeah oh yeah yeah, I think that's uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if they call yeah. it something else in that movie, but yeah, that's for sure. Mm. Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, where he's like looking through mm. you kind of. Uh, but also too, it just, the, it, you look at that and it is, there's so much is working in his mind. You mm. also get that too. That, um, oh. yeah. Hell like yeah. the way somebody would describe talking to Elon Musk, like a look that he has where not only, not only is he, Whoa, <laughs> no, I'm just hear me out. Hear me out of like, I'm, I'm just talking about somebody who has a level of intelligence and operates at in life and in, exists in a particular way that is a very smart person and where they are not only present with you, but they're also thinking about a thousand other things. It's kind of, it's kind of Zen, right? Like he, mm. he kind of just seems, he seems very gathered, but also right. open to um, mystical ideas. I don't know. Yeah, just Zen or or mm-hmm. um, relaxed, yeah. mm-hmm. accepting, accepting, yeah, accepting, sure. open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of interpretations. Yeah, very much like the Mona Lisa in this photo, because I think we, yeah, you get a whole range of things, and you just, it's almost how you want to inter yeah it's very personal to everybody looking yeah it's interesting when somebody has like an yeah. asymmetrical i mean everyone's face is asymmetrical but his is very looks very asymmetrical here where yeah it makes it makes me think like he was sleeping on one side of his face and just got up or something but um i i, totally. I think just adds like a nice like dynamic to uh to an interesting looking guy <laughs> yep. yeah yeah uh, oh that's funny to think about um put it like Mm-hmm. blocking totally. one side and then doing the other and really just yeah what would you say is his best side james oh that's a good question i guess yeah because everyone everyone's side is yeah that's a good that's a really good question uh, maybe i think maybe it's the like, side looking right? at it i almost say the right because that's looking more directly at me that eye is like looking at me yeah, I his his saying. left, my my right. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of. Well, it's he. Almost, the eye that's, it the eye that's like a little a, more the right closed. Side. The one that's yeah. the eye's a little more closed. The blue hair yeah. side. <laughs> by the, yeah, by the blue streak. Yeah, that is the side you think is his best side. Yeah, I guess that might be his his good side. Uh, okay. where the, and that's where yeah. the sun's shining. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. but he, yeah. I, he's got I like every side of of Todd. <laughs> <laughs> we really did a, a deep dive we on did. this album cover yeah. i'm starting to think mm-hmm. we're 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 taking might be taking long going through everything but honestly like this opening of his career is what i, I really want to talk about and we can kind of sp- yeah. speed run some some of the yeah. later stuff it's i mean fine, i think we're not as familiar yeah. with it as anyways we're talking about the most important thing I think so. yeah stretch of his career he's again he's a very prolific guy mm-hmm. and he continued to be prolific so he has a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and um 
I, I I just a lot of this latter stuff is a lot of like live stuff. Did you notice that that he just has a lot of live albums? Well, yeah. Corey, is there another song off this album that you would like to yeah. highlight? Yeah, I'm, I've always uh this is the other album that like I was somewhat familiar with um, besides okay. something, anything, but not, not as familiar as that one um, mm-hmm. until recently. Now I feel like I'm familiar with a few of them, but um, the last ride, if you want to cue that one up, of course it's a, I don't know if you guys remember that one, but it's a, it's heavy. <laughs> I, yeah. I like, I like that side of Todd as well. If you, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. A little game is over. It's the last yeah. round. It almost just seems like he's talk. <laughs> he's talking to you. Like it just yeah. sounds. Yeah. It just sounds like uh, the voice of someone that's like your friend or something mm. i don't know i don't know if i'm just projecting on it no no, I, no 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 lyricism like maybe you're, you're not listening point. to you're not hanging on maybe everywhere when you are you are but if you're not oh, yeah. you yeah. just tune in every now and then you're like oh my god he's saying like beautiful things too and <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. And, and like you're saying brandy yeah it's like it is kind of like hurt and acceptance that he is kind of so uh, maybe we are projecting on his face there of what his music is is saying to us but i i it, it's a it's a cathartic experience listening to uh, his, his pop music that is also has that tinge of either minor or kind of sadness as well. Yeah. And uh, he, he makes it and then he makes it palatable. He makes it catchy. And that's something (laughs) that I'm sure a lot of producers and musicians forget and artists in general forget that you want to make it palatable to people and at least enjoyable you know, in some sense to experience or cathartic, you know, if it is dramatic or sad or something like that, a cathartic experience, but you don't want to just like, you know, <laughs> fuck them up and, and yeah. make and them I, pay and I, <laughs> for being right. idiots. <laughs> like getting punked. <laughs> I, he is a troll it, to an extent, but you know, he you is know. a troll for sure. But you know what? Thinking about that concept or a um, hermit, if you will. No. You know, knowing knowing well and good enough that people you need to make music that people enjoy, but mm-hmm. uh, but still being able to like spoon feed them weird sounds, yeah, it, yeah, it's just such it's a, a it's a like Todd thing, yeah, it's like a tightrope that he's mm-hmm. walking, you know, because if he goes too far one way or the other, he's gonna lose what makes him so right. unique, you know, <laughs> but yeah. He's he's a master of both worlds, so to speak. Yes. Uh, let's get down to move to are we doing initiation or do you want to jump to? I just want to hear a real man from initiation. Uh, we don't have to go yeah. into a long, long winded thing about, I feel like about it, that. I feel but. like the next two albums are a little a little forgettable. We can little, yeah, and we've been here a, a while. Has, a little mid. mid. <laughs> yeah, I want I, I want to like this album a lot more. The last uh, bit of it goes into like this a treatise on cosmic fire, and that gets pretty experimental. Oh God, but there's yeah. but there's parts of it too where you just hear like like all these like just someone really like tinkering with like uh, their synthesizer for the first time, um, <laughs> right, right? Which is cool and experimental and everything, but. It comes through best absolutely on on real man, and I, I think yes. I, it'd be fun to kind of do this live performance version as well. 
get some of this crowd work. In case some of you are wondering why you hear music and see no band, where's that band? <laughs> I don't see any band. He's such a good Well, there is no band because he it's is. all me. It's all me and my 16 track machine. I love his speaking voice, though. It, yeah. Mixed and edited and placed on tape recording for your pleasure. Except the vocal is live because. <laughs> he has to explain everything. All right. Well, he just operates so high above everyone else, I feel like. <laughs> He's dead. All right. Are you plebs? Oh, <laughs> Here's yeah. what's going on. So he's got kind of a frilly shirt. It says Utopia in red letters behind him. And he's just rocking it by himself on the stage, dancing. Bell bottoms out. It's just him up there. Just him up there. Look at that frame as well. Oh, I was I was going to say, yeah. I, knew, I always knew he was pretty thin, but he looks like a stick in this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got moves. Kind of. <laughs> this song Again, why, is, why does he do the pre-recording? Because it sounds better in, in the... Well, I think this is like a, a television special, right? Right. I think so, yeah. So, so I think, I don't know, maybe that's just how he wants it to come across... It, his music is very intricate so he yeah exactly right okay yeah that's what i thought too it's just yeah and so, yeah and some of the, like that last one we saw it's like almost a, a selling point or, or something to tout that all this music yeah. that you're hearing i made myself exactly and yeah nowadays it's very commonplace for that and also having a loop looper you know a lot of people right. will drop their looper right there and that especially like indie sort of music and uh, you know, even I'm thinking of like Imogen Heap or something or Fru Fru mm-hmm. and, and, or, you know, when we were kind of like in high school and stuff, how that was like, wow, they're just building the song right there in front of you um, yeah, yeah. is kind of like a way to kind of tout your musical prowess as well. And then I, I wonder in this as well, is it a form of like perfectionism where he, maybe he did have a band. He's like, you know what? Not how I want to hear now. If I would, I wish there were seven of me, then I could do it, but there isn't. So yeah. we're uh, doing the pre-recorded track. I want it to sound exactly how I want it to sound, uh, and go exactly like as predictable and precise as, as I want it. Um, yeah, yeah from a producer side, but that's initiation. And then this next album, faithless, faithful, sorry, faithful, faithful. First half is covers. Uh, he does some John Lennon songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, he does the Yardbirds, um, and then uh, he, and then the latter half is his stuff. And you know, there's there's some good ones in here. I I mean, I can play at least. I I like Black and White. I think I might put that one on. Or is do you guys want to hear any of the covers at all? Yeah, I would love. Yeah, Good Vibrations sounds cool to me. Oh yeah, Good Vibrations as well as on there. Um, yeah, we'll. Uh, We'll start with that one actually and get an eye. And I, from my understanding, it was his intent in an interesting way to like sound as much like the original mm-hmm. record as possible. Yeah. I noticed that it speaks it's... to me of like Gus Van Sant making shot for mm-hmm. shot remake of psycho <laughs> right. and kind of be like, why? <laughs> yeah. What's the point? <laughs> That's an interesting 
you know, and especially as a producer and maybe as a director, yeah, it's like it's, seems it's, a little yeah. more like self-indulgent, but it doesn't sound bad. It's just like at that point, <laughs> why wouldn't you just listen to the original? You know, yeah. if you're not going to do anything different. Do you think it's almost just to like prove that he can do it? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Okay. Uh-huh. To himself. Oh, yeah. oh for sure. Which I kind of get mm-hmm. as a as like a challenge, but I don't know that you need to release all that. <laughs> I don't know that there's an audience for that. Maybe it's a us, good song. But look at us <laughs> just popping. But if I was like at a party and this was in the background, I like I'm wondering if I could tell. And he's like, "Yes, I got you." <laughs> he's just around the corner, like. Surprise, it's me, Todd Rundgren. This is me singing. Gotcha. And as he did his tour of gotchas where he would just play the play music and then run up behind people. Um, yeah, That's the so black and white song I thought was was pretty cool. I'll play that one. Um, and then we can, yeah, we can move on. Uh, Could you to imagine? A great album of his after this, but yeah. Just being at, a, at like a party and they're playing this and somebody's like, is that the Todd Rundgren version? <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. choice. I like this one yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, this one, I, I this think this is the superior better, yeah. version. <laughs> <laughs> this song, it starts differently than you expected. This one has like a glam. Uh, glam rock kind of yeah yeah and then uh, oh the oh the verb to love is also that's a good one yeah. really great um it's a little slower uh and then uh yeah and then we gotta go to mink hollow after this i think yes we oh, do please <laughs> we'll do a little this is like a meditative that it kind of does that the whole kind of R&B soulful oh man seven minutes takes its time sultry smooth <laughs> just talk about self-indulgence you're just <laughs> You're at a point in your career that you do this. It's so funny to think about. I mean, this is, I'm you're talking about the, co- the, the, the covers or, or like a seven and a half minute song. <laughs> I think it's funny that he did John Lennon songs. <laughs> well, especially after their little feud. Exactly, yeah. Just, yeah. I think they they squashed it after they kind of went back and forth a bit. I'm pretty um, sure I read that they did, yeah. Yeah. Something about but then that. I learned about how Mark David Chapman was like obsessed with Todd Rundgren. No. Did way. you know about that? Yeah. That fucking no. blew my mind, dude. So why didn't he murder Todd Rundgren then? That was <laughs> that was possible. Like he, it was on his list. <laughs> I think no, wow. I think so. He was wearing a Todd Rundgren shirt or something when they like caught That's up. That's right. I did read that. Him. Holy uh-huh. shit. Someone should write like or a novel or or make a film or go. something about how the world would be different if he killed Todd Rundgren. Instead oh my of John god, Lennon. Corey, let's do it. Or they or even yeah. uh oh was it I, like David Bowie was saying something like how they had a, a ticket to like a show that he was 
doing on like Broadway or something like that. And mm. those seats were empty that night. And he was saying how he, he might've been the next one on the list or something. Oh, Anyways, wow. it is rumored oh. that Chapman traveled to Woodstock, New York during one of his visits to the state in search of Todd Rundgren, another target of obsession. Wow. Chapman was wearing a promotional oh. t-shirt for Rundgren's album, Hermit of Mink Hollow. No when he way. was arrested and had a copy of Runt, the ballad of Todd Rundgren in his Manhattan hotel room. Rundgren was not aware of the connection until much later. Isn't that fucking wow. wild? That's scary. Wild. Yeah. Insane. Do you guys know that? This is, this is out of nowhere, but do you guys know about Liv Tyler? Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. I did not See, know I've, that. See, I've always known him. Oh, I, I, never knew that. I, I never knew that. No, I never, I never knew that. that. But yes, now knowing it, I'm like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if anybody doesn't doesn't know, I mean, I'll just I'll I'll read it so I don't. Yeah, yeah. From seventy two to seventy nine, Buell, who, who who was his partner at the time, lived with rock musician Todd Rundgren. BB Buell uh, mm-hmm. became pregnant from a brief relationship There's... with Steven Tyler. She gave birth on in ninety seven. Blah blah blah. Um, oh shit! No. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. At ten or eleven, live met Steven Tyler and suspected he was her father when she observed a resemblance between her and Tyler's daughter, Mia. When she asked her mother, the secret was revealed. The truth about Tyler's paternity did not become public until 91 when she changed her surname from Rundgren to Tyler, but kept Rundgren as a middle name. Buell's stated reason for claiming that Rundgren was Liv's father was that Steven Tyler was too heavily addicted to drugs at the time of Liv's birth. Since learning the truth about her paternity, Liv and Steven have developed a close... But yeah, they like he was with uh, Buell. She you know, took a break and then got along with Steve Tyler, presumably, and uh, came back with Rundgren. And then Liv Tyler was born, believed to be Rundgren's, and then didn't find out until Liv was 10 or 11 that she was a Tyler, not a Rundgren. Uh, and that, yeah, that blew my mind. And it seemed like Rundgren handled it all very well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh-huh, I was going to say. What a good dad. <laughs> right, that's what, I think Step that's what dad. Liv Tyler said, right? Is yeah. nothing but wonderful things about how much Todd. Yeah. I love that for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was just my, kind of mind blowing to, to look at Liv Tyler's Wikipedia and see Liv Rundgren Tyler. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> look at that. You know what? As you were, I, I was aware of this um, just on on the surface for a while. But as you were talking about it just now, I was like, Stephen Tyler and Todd Rundgren both have very like <laughs> odd, long faces. Yes. And, and maybe, maybe maybe it wouldn't be immediately like identifiable who's who the yeah. father was. You know? Totally. If there wasn't another child to compare against. Who knows? What exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, shall we take a take All a right, trip let's to, go to Mink Hollow. To Mink Hollow. I'll just go ahead and start it with yeah. one of the best songs ever made. Yeah, I was going to say, this is my yeah. number one, Todd. This, this is great. This is a song, like we were saying, you could put this on in any room, and I think people yep. would, would feel well, the vocal, The vocal melody is so simple and such an earworm, but it's like, yeah, it's just, no one, yeah, it's just perfect. One that's been stuck in my head. Uh, for weeks yeah, man. on end. Absolutely. And that kind of, you know, the oohs and ahs in the background is all just, yeah, very soulful. So, what he's wearing, too. Such a fashion I Yeah, look, look at that guy. It's beautiful. Beautiful song and driven by the piano, which, again, is like 
so cool to make such a poppy ballad with a piano and uh, yeah and that's but it's not I don't know like Elton John and Queen sometimes and even Doors it's like sometimes it gets so uh, it's too high it, and a, and a too lot going on mix. yeah uh-huh. or, or yeah that okay. too yeah yeah but yeah, yeah, he uses it. He uses it to such subtle effect. I feel, you know. But I mean, you could isolate what the piano is doing, and it's it's great on its own. But it's not the star of the show. It's like right. an ing- mm-hmm. an ingredient in in the recipe, you know. Totally. But, yeah, that's and, and a lot of the instruments for that matter. I mean, I think he's a, an amazing yeah. guitar player, amazing piano mm-hmm. player as well. But it, it, I think maybe the guitar solos is the one that's the most in, indulgent, but otherwise it is such a soundscape that he's creating for you. But that's, and that's where his producer talents are so striking because, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing to be like a virtuoso at all these instruments and a, an amazing songwriter, but the way that he puts all this together into a record um, is that's, that's producing, you know, is, is mm, making it all yeah. come out the other side as like a palatable thing. And he's just a master at that, you know? Absolutely. Um, I'll read a little snippet here uh, about Hermit of Mink Hollow. Following the yeah. completion of Faithful, Rundgren spent two months on an Eastern spiritual retreat, visiting Iran, Afghanistan, India, Nepal, Sri Lanka, Bali, Thailand, Japan, and Jesus. Hawaii. He also opened Utopia Sound Studios in Lake Hill, New York, just outside of Woodstock, and bought a home nearby, as well as an adjoining property to be taken over as accommodation for artists who use the studio. The Lake Hill complex on Mink Hollow Road remained Rundgren's base for the next six years. And between Faithful and Hermit of Mink Hollow, he also recorded three albums with his band Utopia. The first Disco Jets, tongue-in-cheek collection of instrumental disco tracks, left unreleased until 2001. Ra was a concept album based on Egyptian mythology, which prefaced mm-hmm. a lavish tour involving an extravagant stage set with a giant pyramid and sphinx head. Sign me up. Wow. I would love to go to that. <laughs> oh my God. And then Oops, Wrong Planet, released in 77, <laughs> recorded immediately after the tour signaled the start of a more pop-oriented di- direction for the group. And then this is when uh, Live is Born is... Um, is at this time as well. So I'm, I'm glad, I guess I, I brought that up at the right time. Um, with baby, BB Buell, baby, baby, baby. This, this album was also in response to a breakup, right? A really traumatic one. Right. And then I was going to just mention, I think this is like a, the type of song that this is. I think the context of right. it is really, really so awesome. Like, right. you know, rock stars are usually just still singing about getting puss, but this is more of like, things happen can we still be friends can we move on past this can we be better for this almost and has such an like a really smart and empowering message behind it that i think is Mm -hmm. incredibly timeless you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's so earnest too it's like Mm -hmm. it's not it's not saying can we still be friends in like a Mm -hmm. backhanded way or so it's just like right it's a very like straightforward almost like too straightforward lyrically when you first hear it it almost like (laughs) it almost like makes you pause and go huh like that hasn't this type of thing been done before but then it's Mm -hmm. just like oh he's just pulling it off in such a like clear-eyed way i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah so sincere and uh Mm -hmm. direct to the point as a good pop song should and and some of the best pop songs have kind of a simplistic message and writing 
uh, told in a stylistic way that makes you tap your toe a little bit, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I do know what you mean, my guy. We know what you mean. Uh, we know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, he said he intended the songs on the album to be performed on piano with minimal arrangements, apart from the bass, drums, and voices. In that sense, he stated that the songwriting process appeared to be fairly conventional. Most of the songs on the record did not have lyrics until completed. The writing process mm. typically, typically started with a rhythm track. For individual parts, he said he adopted different personas to suit the playing styles, such as Paul McCartney on Determination, where I do some of that squiggly oh. McCartney paperback writer stuff on the outro. That's the best song on the album, in my opinion, Determination. That thing is that song is so catchy. Okay, we'll do that one next. He stated that whatever concept behind the album sound was limited to showcasing both his piano-based compositions and his newly refined singing ability. Daryl Hall claimed credit for influencing Rundgren's singing style after the sessions of War Babies, a view mm. supported by Utopia's Ralph Shuckett, who said on our tour before that record, he never could quite cut it as a live singer. I think Daryl's whole thing just rubbed off on him. Rundgren disagreed of the extent of Hall's influence, explaining we're both still trying to emulate our common influences. The great soul singers who in our mind are better singers than either of us. And there we go. Uh, there let's, we go. Let's, let's listen uh, to uh, Determination. Before we leave this, would it be possible to just listen to a little bit of the Rod Stewart covered of uh can we still be friends absolutely yeah any any sort of there's a lot of covers of all the songs any any of those that you guys want to check out please let me know you can kind of start it around like 50 seconds in okay this is kind of tom petty or something it's very jangly yeah Arpeggios. This is like the it's like an REM song yeah. too. Oh. Nah, maybe not. Just eh. the, yeah, maybe not. I take that back. J jangly guitars. For yeah, sure. that part. Hell yeah. This that type of sound on that song rings so much of 80s to me but that song was made in i was right? literally just gonna say that man yeah like, it's like you you so it, almost like every album of his I, I i have a moment like that where i'm like oh this defined this, a whole decade uh, <laughs> this right. projects to be like this time period right and it's like no it's about 10 years before we talked like, about oh, this okay. yes yeah. <laughs> the one i mentioned was can uh vitamin c no, how that sure. song was done in, well yeah in, i mean in in the 60 what was it it was like 60 something right uh, 72 or 71 72 or but sorry but it sounds so much like a um yeah like uh a song made much later like yes a, <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying yeah. to think of what time period yeah but their future future people come to send a message of time travelers yeah yeah badass badassery uh, let's check out uh, what Rod Stewart has to say about being friends. Oh my god. <laughs> Look at that picture. <laughs> Look at that hair. Look at that. I mean, he's got a symmetrical face. I don't know if Photoshop is to blame, but you got the grid here. You can see the symmetri symmetricity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I don't like this. Me neither. It takes all the like uh, heart out of. I don't know. The, speaking of production, <laughs> this one is yeah, like yeah, this is bad. Bare right. bones. <laughs> There's like no resonance to anything. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, it's very gated. Like the drums are gated. Did you prefer that one, Brandon? No, no, definitely not. But yeah, it's a, uh, just yeah, like God. who who Rod's yeah, I don't know. Rod Stewart is obviously a really popular artist, and I think he contributed a lot to the sound of um Yeah, like he was just a mainstream guy for a long time. And the um Yeah, like what he takes away from it and what that song is, and just the fact that he did the cover of it, it's like obviously yeah it's just rod doing todd man yeah rod doing todd <laughs> i mean if we're gonna go into a little cover terry i just want to share this one yeah. it, take, it takes a little while to get hello, to you hello hello this is hello erica by badu. erica badu hello, featuring andre interesting hello, 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 i think i might skip a little bit hello, forward hello. to get because there's a okay, challenge leave your phone unlocked this part with andre uh, to Don't begin with but then later on i'm gonna skip here in the midst of call I just, I think it's worthwhile to hear Erica Badu sing. Sing the, because he, he writes a good melody, melody, and you and hearing yeah. other people sing it, you're like, oh. The Isley Brothers also, also uh, cover the song. And it's really good. mink hollow there's some other you know there, there'll be some like the song can we still be friends and then there'll be song like onomatopoeia or some other song where it's like yeah. and it's like maniacal like punchy kind of piano or something like that and he sounds like yeah carney yeah, <laughs> like yeah. some guy that's like a ringleader that's going to bring you to like some uh scary circus show not scary but just whimsical yeah like a, whimsical, a freak yeah. show yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and i love how that's just interspliced with it and yeah, it's it's something that uh, it's so cool to see that not only people. Yeah, people have done this. People have been inspired by this. Uh, and he's able to do weird shit like like that. And he takes that success and uses it to challenge himself and do something different rather than mm. uh, be comfortable. Um, and we're on to healing, which healing is really great for me i like really like uh i think it's however backloaded um the the first half is not is not my favorite but um i oh, love interesting i right. love the the energy and like the con conceptual uh mind that he has about this album of being kind of a little bit more new agey um and it has like kind of like a almost like a brian eno sort of element to it where it is a little bit more ambient and uh sin- yeah the synthesizers aren't so intense and trying 
it's too much uh kind of abrasive things it's it's a little softer and the yeah pretty much from healing like once it starts the the titular track which is three parts that entire three part is is amazing in my mind and we don't have to listen listen to it because it's just too long um mm. but i i highly recommend it i will play one song off it which is uh it, <laughs> it i don't know it is a little uh it was a little hollow notesy i think but damn it I, I i really really like this one too This is after the three-part healing, and then this song comes in after it. Such a hall note song. And he looks bad with short hair. I love his music videos. <laughs> he's just he's just dancing in a dolly. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of uh, Take on Me a little bit. The music yeah. video, just with the dance, you know, right. figure. Kinda. Yeah. I enjoyed it. it's uh, <laughs> time heals the wounds uh, that the world can't see. I believe is is the line. Sings. I just that's a. He's just pop dancing and, and parting to that line, which is like a nice, a nice line. Yeah. You could sing it in a like kind of a different way and a can we still be friends way. And it could be sad, yeah, but he's like, right. you, you actually dig in and listen to it. It's like, oh, he's, he's saying some, some cool stuff there too, mm-hmm. which I, yeah, even I, I'm not always listening to lyrics, but um, yeah. So that's healing. I, that, that one is, I think you guys know me as kind of like up my alley, I think in, in what kind of, uh, new agey ambient sort of stuff that some of it not so much ambient but like synthy and uh and mellow kind of and then uh ever ever popular tortured artist um is a fucking awesome (laughs) album dude that yeah that's a good one yeah what do you got to say about it Corey? like uh what do you like about this one i like how this is uh well it has that bang on the drums all day. Yeah, yeah okay. But, uh, the, the most success, that, his most successful that, song. Yeah, I know, which is crazy, right? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so. Yeah, because I, it's oh, in yeah, like it's, Carnival it's, Cruise Line commercials and stuff, and then yeah. the Green, Green Bay Packers at one point like adopted it as like their "Let's Go" song. Oh yeah, it's it's like a <laughs> big it, sporting event and stuff. The mo- most agreeable song ever. <laughs> which even says I don't. It's to me, it's like not really like a big like pump up song i get that that's how it's used sometimes pump but i don't know that's just kind of it's funny to me do you yeah no for sure is it off base to say it, it kind of sounds talking headsy i'm not I'm uh, trying to think of what yeah. stage of talking heads but it sounds like kind of like a yeah. like what you mean like naked era true stories era maybe true stories, like yeah a little more goofy and cartoony yeah. than some other very early, yeah so. mm-hmm. very much that yeah, I mean, yeah. and don't get me wrong, this is a catchy ass song, but it's just like, how is this his biggest hit? I don't know. It's just the most con- commercially commercially successful, I guess. It would start like radio shows. Like, I guess this would be yeah. a good one to start our show too. But it's like, it's hey, like hello, welcome to the radio yeah. show, the money. Yeah, it's very versatile in what it can be used for. I guess. Let's go on a cruise. I just want to play on the 
That's kind of a David Burney part. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, vocally. Doesn't want to work. You want to make that job? Yeah. So relatable. <laughs> uh, I, the first, the first song on that album, "Hideaway," that is just oh a yeah, that one's great. Crusher of a of a like power pop jangly tune. So I hinted so previously, good. I am a um, resident of the fiftieth. This is on a later album. Union, this Hawaii. is on one long year, but I thought it'd be a good time to. And of course, I had to learn once I got the island's old Hawaiian war chant, whole Hawaiian song. Everyone learns a Hawaiian song, at least no one way when they move there. And I learned this ancient war chant, which I'm going to play for you now. Very first Hawaiian song. He's a goob. Have He's, He's such, such a goob, goob, man. He likes to have a good time. Just want to bang on your drum all day. Ever since I was a tiny boy, I don't want no candy. I don't need no toy. I took a stick and an old coffee can. Yeah. I pound on that thing till I got blisters on my hand because I don't want to. Work. Is the song singing kind of, kind of like is this, is this version really called Bang on the Ukulele Daily? Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Another one of my favorites. I don't have to play it. No fat. Um, but it's uh, no fat. There, there goes your baby. That baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just once you get like immediate. Like I look here. Bye bye. I hear it one time and I'm already just running around singing it. Totally. Uh, yeah. There's so many of his songs that that fit that description. Um. Just like, oh, don't wanna work. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, his best song. <laughs> yes, and successful equals best. Um, mm-hmm. any, yeah, anything. I mean, Influenza is also a great one. Uh, yeah. The second song. I really, do you want to hear a little bit yeah. of that? Influenza is great. Yeah. Or uh, uh, Don't Hurt Yourself. It's really good, too. Wow, man. Just the whole first it. side is just really great. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, I mean, like Sonic, sonically, it seems it just is very consistent. Honestly, this is kind of like a bad album cover, but I like this album cover. It just it kind of just sums up the sound of this album. Mm-hmm. I love the font that's like circusy sort of. I don't think it's his his best by any means, but I know what you mean where it does get kind of get the point across in a way. Yeah, yeah. No, it's he has some all time great uh, covers, but. It's kind of circusy, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a marquee. Yeah. 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 Or like the, a sign for a saloon. <laughs> yeah. The ever popular tortured artist effects. This is Influenza, and uh, you have been listening to the Ted Ted Pod. Bad Pod. Pod by Prod Pod.
uh, I mean, yeah, you do a little uh, Don't Hurt Yourself as well. And then hey, if you want, you know, I, mm-hmm. we, we might have been better off breaking this episode down into two because we're at like, I think, pushing three, three hours. hours now. So mm-hmm. I know. We, yeah, we can we can start picking it up. I think now is the time anyways. Uh, and to kind of talk a little bit more macro about the latter half. I mean, not even it's like like the, the even chunkier than than the first first part is. This, he, does I know. A lot. he does a lot after this, you know. Um, I just I didn't really go past this one personally uh, this time around, but honestly, because I I was so preoccupied with with some of these ones, I I could have moved on, but I chose totally fine. I mean, well, yeah, we'll do speed round the next one. Acapella, the 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 songs are are made by his mouth. It's and it's got a really cool, cool cover as as well. I was going to say, like, I saw Corey, I'm right there with you on this being kind of my drop off point. And yeah, yeah, I mean, we'll obviously maybe we'll have a round two, a revisit of this episode. I know. You know, I'm uh, telling you, we can do an annual annual Todd a thon, annual Todd day, June 22nd. (laughs) So this music's all with his mouth. It's called acapella. I love it. It's so fun. He's just, he's experiment. This is what experimental music's about. Right? Yeah. He's got his mask. This is cool. I like this. <laughs> he's so cool. Yeah. He's one of those guys that's just, he's cool because he doesn't try too hard to be cool. He just, he's kind of like relatable in in a weird way, but he's not trying to be like this big, cool rock star. He's just like, you can tell that he's just being himself and having a good time. And that's cool. Yeah. He bangs at the beat of his own drum all day, Mm, all day, all day, all day, daily. That cover's so fucking cool. The, yeah, the, it's it's right in that video. He was like singing to it like a Hamlet to the to a skull. Uh, yeah, this is, this is just one other one. And then I was going to start introducing just, yeah, conceptually some of his other albums after this and, and kind of where he goes. And we can kind of uh, get ready to to be moving on. Um, but no world, no world order. I, I did have to say this is one and especially the Flaming Lips That's comparison is is apt. Um, where uh, yeah, we can to a yeah. Bit. thank you. <laughs> I talk too much. Sorry. Yeah, shut up. Just kidding. like doing a song like this like, this is what reggie watts sure. does essentially so uh Why? bjork bjork did an album like this right, um, right. medulla i think uh-huh. it's called mm. yeah um yeah that shit is crazy i haven't yeah. heard it but i i saw that comparison looking into Check this one that out. you like it i've been on kind of a bjork out, phase yeah. lately <laughs> i used to i used to have that one on cd okay once upon a time but it's a trip I fucking love her. 
Um, she's, yeah, she definitely has her own type of drum that she, uh, she bangs on as well. She bangs on all day. Yeah. Uh, Nearly Human has the Bobby Womack uh, starter, which is, you know, that's pretty cool. You got to work it with uh, Bobby Womack. Um, Feel It is a is a song that I believe he produced for the tubes, like the same time mm. around this. Yeah. And then he does a version of it on his album as well, which I just, I think that's so cool of like just kind of taking things that have happened or occurred as an artist and, and repurposing it in, in a way that, that you want. Uh, this, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think that's, it just speaks to the open nature of, of how you, how you use art and the utilitarian aspect of it. Um, and then, yeah, after mm. I, this is a cool album yeah, cover too fun. of nearly human um, with the hand and then mm-hmm. no world order. As I was saying, <clears throat> excuse me. I, there's some, I forget what the flaming lips album was where you need like four CDs Four yeah. different speakers. Uh, Irika. Yeah, you play them at the same time. That's essentially what this No World Order album is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it's kind of cool that like, so you got it and then you were supposed to, I forget the name of the the device that you had to have in order to, to like do it properly. Um, <clears throat> but here, I'll, I'll read it for you. It was an inter- the first ever, first ever interactive album, <laughs> music album. <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me heavily influenced by electronic and rap he fucking raps in it uh to whatever how you however you feel about that uh how it sounds <laughs> the cd only recording was available in an interactive version on philip's short-lived cdi format this is tri this is by the way he's not no longer todd rundgren for the next two albums he is tri, T-R-I. <clears throat> uh the interactive <laughs> version included the ability to alter the playback of the music by selecting a predetermined sequence by either rundgren or one of his four guest producers Don Waz, Jerry Harrison, Hal Wilner, and Bob Clearmountain. The interface allowed the listener to control various aspects of music playback. If the user did nothing, the Rundgren mix would start and play through to the end. The interactive interface presented standard standard playback controls and the following major functions, plus a help function, program, direction, form, tempo, mood, mix, video. Uh, Yeah, so... What the hell? Yeah, dude. Wow. Isn't that nuts that he, he did this? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, but it's also on brand. It's so, nuts so there's that, versions yeah, of it, you know, exists. it yeah. is. Yeah. Like a choose your own adventure. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty situation. much. So yeah, I have no, no world order, the Bob Clearmount thick mix, or you got no world order, the TRI conservative, conservative karaoke mix. Uh, yeah. And there's this, there's this guy I found on YouTube that is very dedicated, uh, Todd fan. Um, and he put, he like put him out, put him out there. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I we got to hear like a little bit of his rap. I, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, at least what that, what that sounds like. I'd rather not. We, 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 we got to do our due diligence here. <laughs> yeah, we do. We have a responsibility, I guess. Let me see if I can get to it. You're going to hear me fast forward a bit. He loves the theremin. He's a big theremin. So guy. then there's some dead space here. Oh, I think there's. And so depending on how you how, how you mix it, you might have some other sound here. But this is no world order. Wow, okay. one of the versions. World order. Here we go. 
stars and chains and diamond rings. These are the symbols we want, the real things. Peace in the soul and the natural inside things that please the mind and make the body feel yep. right. So that happened. Not as bad as I was expecting, honestly. I mean, he's he's a poet. He's yeah. And it's yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's flowing and uh it's yeah, it's very and he's yeah. he's trying to do something different. He's he's stepping into mm-hmm. what's uh what's relevant and not in like a cynical way in my mind. Is he's, he's just trying to trying to tap yeah, into, into, into something else. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that I just had to mention at least conceptually what he's going for, whether it goes to success or not. I mean, that's up to you. But uh and then he does the individualist. Which I have to mention on this one, con- another conceptual like nuts thing that that happened is there is a video game <laughs> attached to one of the songs of this album, and I I'm gonna show you what it looks what does like. That even mean, ah, oh, looks like Doom. Just, uh, like a Microsoft screensaver. Microsoft <laughs> yeah, screensaver yeah. graphics. Video image comes from interactive portion of this and stolen, stolen from the net and pulled. Yeah, uh, but it's an interactive version of of Cast the First Stone. Oh, it's stones getting thrown at. What probably is like people, famous people of some kind. Yeah, it's like very very Doom. You don't have like a weapon or anything, but it's first person and you're throwing stones at. Like really uh, bad, guy, badly like, uh, yeah. represented images of people, and now we're in a hallway. Yeah, so I, it's it's just something that has to be mentioned during his TRI phase. He is oh. trying to engineer things that have not happened before. Yeah. Wow. Interactive uh, and 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 having to use systems to like plug it in to to experience it to its to its fullest is something that has to be mentioned. Whether yeah, again, whether it sounds good or not, like whether you like that song, I mean I, I it good good for you if you did. Um, but it's just it's challenging to listen to and it seems to be veering a little bit more into just doing it for the sake of doing it rather than making it catchy, like we were saying before, where this at this yeah. period in time it's not as catchy. Um, then he does one long year. This is essentially just a collection of his year long tracks that he sent out to his fan club, essentially. And then he put them all together. That's where being on the ukulele Wait. daily is year long tracks. One, or did one, you need- one long year. Uh, there was a year where he sent out tracks to his fan club. He compiled all those tracks that he sent out to his fan club into Whoa. one album. I thought you meant, I thought you Sorry. meant there were songs <laughs> that, that went on for a year at this point. Like, the I runtime wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. yeah, no, that's why I was like, hold on. <laughs> it's Maybe that going. is what it is. Uh, yeah, that was just like a kind of compilation of his fan. Oh, and then there's also With a Twist, which is all covers of him doing like doing reworked versions of his own songs in a bossa nova cocktail lounge sort of style. My God, He's, yeah. He really yeah. is just doing doing this to to crack himself up, I feel like, some of the stuff. Or not crack himself up, but just uh, like do something different but he he's always been so different that how can he even find anything new to do i don't know like what's he doing now in 2022 is he like 
There's like making a reggae music. song on making there. music in outer space or something. Yeah, he's got like a reggae yeah. song with Rivers Cuomo. Which features new Yeah, he's got a reggae song. That's, and that's not what I want to dig. <laughs> the album too, Corey, is called Space Force, which is funny. Oh shit! All right. Playing it out. Yeah, he's got the the roots and robins. So th- oh, really? this is just a little taste of it. He's he's performing on Conan. He's like a, at a tiki bar, and there's like drinks set up next to him. And he just did this for a little bit. He did like a tour like this. Wow. I wonder if you were like a big fan of his during this time. If if you dug this, like, would you go to see a show and then he pulls out this shit? Would you be stoked about that or would you be kind of bummed? I guess if you're, <laughs> I guess you're, I guess if you're his age, you would be And this is kind of the time when the Bossa Nova swing right. stuff was kind of popular. This is '97. That's true. Yeah. You have like uh, Brian Setzer doing his thing. Oh, this isn't this isn't swing, but I'm just saying like the that kind no, of, you're right. That kind of classy yeah. old style kind of thing was. Why was that? I don't know. Like lounge, kind of lounge. Yeah, lounge, lounge yeah. loungy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just have to. I had to mention some of these concepts that he's throwing around, and then he returns to form uh, by a lot of critics' standards on liars. Uh, a lot of people revere that as kind of like a return to what. Uh, all the albums that we've lauded so far kind of do. Um, and I've dabbled in it. It's, uh, it's really good and a lot more like synthesizer heavy, uh, as well. Um, but yeah, we're, we're speed running. So we're just going to kind of go, go through the rest here. There's arena, uh, Johnson and some, some live stuff. Um, this reproduction album, I do want to mention, uh, that it's all him doing songs that he's produced himself so you mm. got uh dancing barefoot by ba- patty smith which i'll oh i have to get to some of those producing stuff later i know we're going like we need like a whole week on todd or like a whole like five yeah. episode todd we should have we should have well, split it up it, it, yeah we'll we'll revisit it again but the, we're yeah. new here all right yeah. we're just doing we're, we're figuring this out as we go but he does love my way he does dear god he's he he's doing all of the songs he produced in his own way which is such an interesting cool. we're talking about a producer and he's an artist he comes out with an album called reproduction and he reproduces the, and then yeah it's very meta as well but yeah and i i kind of want you guys to see the the cover of it um because it's like ugh, it's I, I don't even know how to describe it i think it might have been produced by a by a fan um reproduced by a fan no oh, hello <laughs> jeez um but Does you never s- end if you see here i don't know do you get a good enough look on, on that is it like a sperm fertilizing an egg or something yeah all those are like microphone sperm fertilizing uh, an egg okay <laughs> reproduction very cool had, yeah i'm glad we're talking about this and then uh then the disco jets comes out the utopia thing that they were you know made in like the 70s and then it finally releases with star trek thing and then uh mm. state uh oh man i i really want to listen to this one song from state um which there's a reason why i like it because he kind of takes like an electronic kind of look at one of his past songs and it is kind of long, but I'm going to see if I can uh, skip to it. I know. Bear with us. And sorry, uh, Corey or Brandon, if I'm if I'm taking too long here, but uh, I just can't get enough enough Todd. Mm. I, I feel it. Whoa. Cool. What's this? Oh, my gosh. 
love this. This is a bonus track on it. This is even, like they added it later. Yeah. Great! <laughs> I love it. It reminds me of, like Daft Punk doing like a cover of this song. Yeah, it's a jam. I think he figured out the electronic thing a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he did get a good handle on that. Yeah, because uh, uh, it's definitely something he's experimenting with along with hip hop. Um, and then we, then there's like former albums, man. He does he does global uh, in in 2015, um, and then he does uh, everybody was kind of the single off that one. Um, run dance with, which is a collaboration. Uh, and it's that, that one I think came out. Yeah. The same year as that with Emil Nicholson, Hans, Peter Lindstrom, and it's a collaboration there. Um, and I, yeah, I'm not, I think that one's a little bit more, even more experimental and kind of like down tempo ambient a little bit as well. Uh, he does white Knight. After that, with mm-hmm. a, and that's then got start, Dame Funk on it. You start to see collaboration here. Yeah, uh, you got Dame Funk, you got Daryl Hall, uh, Donald Donald Fig. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, dude. It's a cool uh, song. Joe, Tim Joe Walsh, Robin. The the song with Robin's good. Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross. Wow. Um. Yeah. He's 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 bringing people into his world rather than just producing. He's he's having people feature on his tracks. Yeah, uh, which shows, yeah, his him being able to collaborate on his own work. I think, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's, I think all producers have to be some version of a control freak. So to have other people kind mm-hmm. of feature, it maybe shows him like loosening up there. And then 2022, last year, he came out with an album. Uh, and it's full of uh, collaborators from Rivers Cuomo doing that kind of reggae song, down downbeat uh, song. Uh, the Roots, Sparks show up as well and, and do a song with him. And uh, Lemon Twigs, and and yeah, it's, he's, he's still doing stuff. Space Force is kind of, yeah, still keeping tongue-in-cheek uh, with his, you know, his way of making an album. And then, yeah, I was just going to run through maybe some of his production credits that we, we, we missed because this is kind of the point of the show. But it's hard with a person like him when... Uh, he has his own personal discography that is so extensive and simply amazing. Even if it's not sounding the best, it conceptually is fascinating to, to look at. He does yeah. straight up uh, by bad finger. Uh, he does the sparks album. He does New York dolls. He does we're an American band by grand funk railroad. Such uh, a good song shining on by grand funk railroad. Uh, War babies, hauling oats bat out of hell. <laughs> He Which is a fucking huge, bat huge out of hell. album, yeah. It's huge, yeah. huge, huge, huge. I mean, and that—that's. I didn't what, realize that he did that one. We can't like casually do a little snippet of "Bat Out of Hell," really. I mean, that's like a saga. You can, yeah, yeah but yeah. you know, it's bad out. It's bad out of hell. It's um, bad. Out. <laughs> you you bad get out it. Of hell. Uh, remote control, the tubes, uh, forever now. The psychedelic furs album. I would be remiss if I didn't at least play a little of "Love My Way." Um, it is poss- mm. is like one of my favorite songs ever. Um, and it's, yeah. And then his version on the reproduction one is it, it's not, not worth listening to when you got this one sitting right here. Um, 
yeah, I can keep this on the background and run through a little bit more. And this has like President Gas is another good song on here. Uh, oh, it's, and then uh, another one. Else. That's good. Anyways, um, next position, please, by Cheap Trick. Also does that. Um, and then we also got Love Bomb by The Tubes. And then, yeah, I, I like to talk at least a little bit about s Skylarking. Um, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, do you, are you a big XCC? I, I wouldn't say I'm, like, real well-versed, but I know that album, and I know their, um, like, I guess, place place in the canon. But, mm. um, yeah, I, I dig them, honestly. I I've, I've been meaning to kind of take the plunge, but... Yeah. It's their ninth album... And uh, mm -hmm. and it is a loose concept concept album about about a non-specific cycle such as a day, a year, the seasons, or a life, is uh, mm -hmm. is how it's described. Um, mm. But so, there was a lot of production woes on on this one between Andy Partridge and uh, Todd Rundgren, I believe. Um, and yeah, especially for Partridge, and numerous disagreements arose over drum patterns, song selections, other details. Partridge characterized Rundgren's musical preferences as completely contradictory to mine, for instance, suggesting a fuzz guitar overdub where Rundgren wanted a mandolin. Molding acknowledged that until then it was typical for Partridge to act as an executive producer, frequently undermining the authority of the actual credited producer. According to Rundgren, essentially it was kind of a preordained by me what the record was going to be, which was something they'd never endured before. I think Colin and Dave trusted me, but Andy never did. Gregory and... and intimated mm -hmm. that Todd and Andy were like chalk and cheese as personalities, chalk and cheese. They didn't okay. hit it off from the start. Things just went bad to worse. Saying? I guess so. Maybe it's a I've British. Never heard. Yeah, <laughs> it must be English idiom. Partridge yeah. was satisfied with Rundgren's arrangements, but frustrated with the producer's patronizing and so bloody sarcastic remarks during sessions. As he remembered, Todd would ask how you were going to do the vocals and you would stand in front of the mic and do one run to uh through to clear your throat and he'd say well that was crap i'll come down and i'll record me singing it and you can have me and your headphones to sing along to another Jesus. line he recalled was you can dick around with the track for a few hours your way if you like i'm going up to my house when you find out it doesn't work your way give me a call and we'll record it my way he believed that Dang. the producer's role was to keep us in line however and that rundgren was successful in that respect mm. On the extent of the altercations, Rundgren said there was a moment Andy said he wanted to cleave my head in half with an axe, but there was never anything, never anything physical, just verbal abuse. Gregory <laughs> stated that he was quite happy to be directed by Todd instead of Andy. He thought of Rundgren, thought that Rundgren deliberately belittled Andy if he thought he was going getting too big for his boots. Yeah. Andy rose to the bait every time. Molding did not have any mm -hmm. problem with Todd and said feeling that Partridge was so unhappy and taking it out a little on me. That's so funny because that's the that's the third party, right? Between two people getting into an argument, they're like, "I yeah," w that just validated Todd's opinion on things, and then really just mm -hmm. said that, yeah. Especially when your own band is kind of taking Todd's side, it mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> right. right. What does that say about you? Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "Oh, finally, someone to stick up to this asshole because we can't." Oh, right. <laughs> Uh, the band routinely played the theme from the Munsters whenever they could see Rundgren arriving to the studio. According to the part, according to Partridge, Rundgren never realized the joke was at his resemblance to Herman Munster. In oh, spite boy. of all the difficulties, Rundgren said the album ultimately sounds like we were having a great time doing it. And at times we were having a good time. 
Based on the stories written about Skylarking, Partridge became known for being difficult to work with. Initially, he considered, considered that he may have been wrong in his perception of the sessions. He later consulted with other artists who worked with Rundgren, only to find that nine times out of ten, they'll say fucking hell. He was like that with us. <laughs> After an argument about a bass part, Molding stipulated that Partridge be banned from the studio while he finished recording the parts. In 97, Molding called it the only real argument between him and Partridge in the band's history. So if anything, Rundgren like emboldened the rest of the band to kind of <laughs> stick yeah. up to Partridge a bit and and uh -huh. reach that sound to the point where like they were even not going to put Dear God on the album because they were so scared about its reaction of, of like if people were if uh. it was going to be controversial. And Todd mm. was like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> if you're not going to put that song on, um, which I, yeah, I'd at least like to hear, hear a little bit of that as, or, and mm -hmm. it's a good album and there's, there's a, there's a, yeah. And, and it, it does reach, he came in and he wanted to, to instill the concept through track arrangement of what they already had. And he, they, he, they like gave him 20 tracks. He picked the ones that he wanted to be on the album and, and, structure them in a way to tell a story and that's i don't know it's exactly what you want a producer to do right um, and uh yeah and then i after this we can we can go on go on our merry way here here because i think we've we've gone so long honest honestly i could spend uh yeah a whole a whole other podcast on todd just just to just to touch everything This is the last song. XTC. This uh, this music video is telling the story. Yeah, they're they're kind of trying to make it appear as a as a one shot too. So far, Seems mm -hmm. like just one one shot is is a uh, through through editing trickery. Uh, and yeah, let's see if there's any. Oh, the Patty Smith album. Oh, I gotta. I'm, yes. Shit, we gotta play because and they were in a relationship as well um, mm. for a period of time. Uh, and I was going to even, she wrote a review of, uh, run the ballad of Todd Rundgren. Um, I was going to read a little bit of that, but it's okay. We don't have time, but she's, um, which song I'm going to do Frederick. I'm going to do Frederick, uh, a little bit of that. He dedicated, um, song of the Viking to Patty Smith. If oh, really? Something, anything minor. Wow. Than, yeah. Is that that one? Which sorry what? I was trying to sing it. I'm sorry. I'm doing it. Over. It's the it's like, it's like doesn't start like that. I don't. I don't think it's it's like a <laughs> very it is a very like wonky song. Though. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Throw it on. Oh, I'm sorry. I just. <laughs> this is one of those things. Where, oh, listen to that one. No, listen to that one. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. He, he changes, he changes yeah. the tempo a lot, like, throughout the song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it changes kind of halfway through, though. There you go. kind of sounding mm-hmm. put on put on um after this song put on a song by sonic youth called stream x sonic subway and tell me that the cadence of that song doesn't kind of remind you vocally of what what todd's doing in song of the viking musically it's very very different that first mm-hmm. one there yeah just fast forward a little bit to when uh, Thurston starts singing. Just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, yeah. It is almost like a carny or like whatever. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. It sounds like a stage play show to like that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And using yeah, like, the yeah. same same note and that uh, it's almost that, like that, annoying, that, annoyingly that, that, catchy. That, that, yeah, and it's like yeah, kind of like a like a chant. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, annoyingly well, catchy. That's an interesting way to think of it. Yeah, yeah. I totally get what you mean too. When catchy you- in spite of itself. Mm-hmm. And then this is uh, this is how her album opens as well. And it just shows that, like, as a producer, he just puts the puts the best song kind of at the front sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, no, he he literally here. There's something in here about it too. And then dancing barefoot is after the song, which is the is the other. Really let me when we're done with this song, let me read this to you. Spin. That drum beat is keeps it pumping, man. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It just keeps it keeps it chugging. There's almost some. Uh, there's occasionally times, not always. It's like more more rare, but there's some Neil Young stuff that occasionally will pop up too. I feel like. But that's just. I think his just influences are so all encompassing. Uh, what is yeah. the, what is the next one I'm doing? Mm. I don't know. I think uh, I don't think we have. I was I was just going to say, because you got you or we've been talking about how uh, he opens the albums with just perfect songs. But Mm -hmm. uh, for under, I saw the light on the liner notes for something, anything. Mm -hmm. He says, if there's a single on this album, this is it. So I put it first, like at Motown. And Ah, that's that's what he has for that one. But yeah, if you if you do get this, I'm sure if there's repressings of it, that it'll recreate the the liner notes. But try to find if you can try to find like an original pressing because okay. it's worth it for that's cool for these notes. Yeah, I was going to he did the, kick he, out of I was going to yeah, I don't want to end on a sour sour note, but there was this one album that he did where the, the band had like a bad experience with him, but. It's not a band I've heard of. It's called, they're called 12 rods and <laughs> their album was separation anxieties. 
He oh. wanted to change their name to Twelve Todds, 12 but Todds, they didn't, yeah. <laughs> didn't want to. <laughs> didn't want to do that. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Fuck it. We've we've given him so much love. Like, let's just do a little. And, yeah. and honestly, this again, this could be have as much to do with the band as it does with him. Uh, Separation Anxieties was recorded on the island of Kauai with famed producer Todd Rundgren through the course of six weeks. However, the band thought negatively of his performance, according to vocalist and guitarist Ryan Olcott. Todd was underperforming. He was the last person to show up at each session and the first one to leave. He didn't care. He was just there to press record, read magazines, and drink Fosters. It was disheartening, Ev Olcott remembered. All he could do was press the record button to go back to doing crossword puzzles. <laughs> Some of those that, so- doesn't, that doesn't sound like our boy Todd. That doesn't sound like um, Some of those maybe, songs are good, but Todd Rungan did the absolute the worst job possible with that record. Adding to the session's troubles, drummer Christopher McGuire had left the band during the recording process. But... Uh, that's so funny that he I honestly feel like, he's the like person. this sounds like shit. I just gonna check out because I can't fix a sinking boat. <laughs> yeah, no. Mm, it sounds guess. like 12, 12 rods is the problem here. That's <laughs> that might be my guess, but I, I thought it'd be worthwhile to at least throw in a little criticism that one one person gave that I don't even 12 rods. Who 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 knows? Um but uh and then uh New York dolls, because I said so came out 2009 was another production by him uh but that's been it for us at uh todd pod at prod pod uh i love how we brought up motown earlier because if you're curious what we're doing for our next episode it is barry gordy uh and we will be covering him uh and getting into some motown uh to you Corey, and to you brandini i just have to say i love you both Love you too. Love you. Can yeah. can I leave can I leave us with a with a tug, the Todd thing? I want you to do that to to sign us off, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna oh, pick perfect. I'm gonna pick a song. But get, uh, be ready. I'm just gonna do any sort of yep. uh, blogs that uh, people want to uh, reach out to us. Do you know the email for this one? Uh, well, Brand, Brandy the, for the Prod Pod. Yeah. Um, I think it's. Oh. Uh, let Let me see here. I want to pull it up. Uh, it is theprodpod at gmail.com if you want to leave us a line there. If you have any uh, ideas for any other producers that we should cover, what you th- what you think about uh, us so far, anything you would like to see or not see. Uh, and then also, if uh, you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more of it in a different way, uh, you can come over to another little podcast that me and the Brandini about uh polarizing movies called polarize where we talk about movies that audiences and critics disagree on according to rotten tomatoes sometimes critics love it sometimes audiences hate it or vice versa uh we just talked about phantom of the opera we just talked about grandma's boy we just talked about fear and loathing in las vegas with our very own Corey hart blarge uh wearing sunglasses at night as all we all do yes uh, as we do during this record uh, oh, he's, yeah, you got to be so fucking sick of that joke. I'm sorry. Uh, I literally got that at work today. I'm not even lying. Yeah, but it's OK. I liked it better <laughs> when you did it. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, you're just asking for it. Uh, nah. Wearing your sunglasses at night. Come on, you're, you're doing it. Uh, you, can, you, you never do that uh, with that name. Um, and yeah, if you, it, we, we talk about movies that people disagree on. It's a lot of fun. Corey's on it it's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, every so often. And uh, we have a blast. Join us there at polarized and uh brandini please sign us off well wait we we haven't done our 
uh, personal top 100 Rundgren songs yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> gotcha. Buckle oh, in. <laughs> buckle so in. For number Another 100, up, I have. Bang the drum all day. <laughs> Maybe Wait, next time. What's Maybe your favorite time. album of his, Corey? Something, anything. Yeah, okay. That's I all have, our I favorite. My okay. top five, if you, if you want them, I can run through them. Please, yeah, do it. So five was uh, the ever popular tortured artist effect that cracked my top five. Mm -hmm. And then four would be wizard, a true star, three Todd, two Herman of Mink Hollow and one something, anything. Whoa. What was three? Wait, sorry. What was, what was four and three? Say those again. <laughs> you want me to just do the whole thing again? No, I, I got, I got everything for before and three. What was five, four, three. And two? <laughs> uh, four was a wizard, a true star. Okay. It, Three is Todd. Got it. Okay. 74. And then two is Herman of Mikola. No, I already knew that one, Corey. I told you. I just need oh, three, four. Right. God. That's so funny. <laughs> All right. Uh, please, please, Brandy, and uh, oh. leave us with a little passage uh, from, from Todd from the himself. Book of Todd. The book of Todd. From Todd himself. Uh, we appreciate you guys for stopping by, and we'll, we'll see you next time. Love, love you so much. Yeah, love you. Love you. All right. In Buddhism, we reincarnate into a world of suffering because of Trishna, the thirst. Souls crave corporeal experience and eventually find their way back to the material world. Don't actually know what we want until we are in it, and often don't know what we are in it, the best of all possible worlds. Then, like all things, it passes. Get a big face full of it while it lasts. Mm -mm. Amen. I will. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Last night, I was feeling something wasn't right. There was not another soul in sight. Oh, no, I got sick of it. Oh, no, I'm sick of it. Oh, no. Impossible. What did I tell you? It's impossible. It will not happen. see him live oh my god how did i not oh my god oh you All can right, say, say it right now we'll do a post we gotta start over okay yeah <laughs> p.s guys my my mom saw todd rundgren well with her best friend uh jane sorry jane if i'm blowing up your spot they smoked hash before and jane was so was so high and having such a poor time that they left the concert after about two or three songs because jane was having oh. a freak out and then jane crashed her car and totaled it on oh the way my out God. and uh my mom's still real bummed about it but she uh I guess it could have been talks, worse talks about it a lot it could have been worse yeah. but um yeah it also could have been a lot better for my mom mm. so mm. yeah um but yeah she it was funny we were i told her the other night that we were working on this episode and she of every time Rundgren, Rundgren gets brought up she talks about this experience but mm -hmm. i i actually 
recently looked up the set list for what she missed <laughs> and i texted it to her i'm like you missed look what you missed and she's pissed off about that <laughs> after wait um, what after what album or like around what and when in this i think it was it was 76 wow, i want to say so it was like yeah um so in right after like in between Todd and and Hermit of Mink Hollow, wow. those two albums that are yeah kind of in there. But Jesus, but yeah, man. I mean, he was touring a bunch at that time, and they uh, was in Ohio somewhere. Um, yeah, I forget the venue, but yeah. So that was I don't know. Maybe maybe next year if he's touring, I'll take her to go see him or something. I was gonna say I, th- I, I mean go. I think he's still touring. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm sure he yeah. does. I mean, I mean last, I don't last know how year he... he did a thing uh, where it was like a virtual concert, but you had to yeah, of you had to be <laughs> in the zip code. Like there was a there was a tour dates really, and it was he was he recorded all from Chicago or something, but there were tour dates. And so like, say it was like, so it was like March 16th for LA and you had to be in a yeah. certain area code to access that. And then they, he would design the set to be cater, cool. catering to like wow. Los Angeles people or like Sandy or like whoever. Else. And then, mm-hmm. and he just did a whole, such a, a whole tour oh in one spot and then just virtually streamed it and yeah, made it exclusive in a way that was, yeah, it's just, it's, it's he always finds a way to, to oh, make it as for real. Yeah. What a guy. He's a wizard and a true star. <laughs> <laughs> Not one of those fake stars. 